welcome to episode 109 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is... I don't have anything for you, Derek. Derek, uh... You never do. How about, how about Derek, bravely second, Heemsbergen? <laughs> I like it. You even did the voice for me. I try. Thanks. I'm uh, Derek Heemsbergen, Embryon on the boards. I've been playing a lot of bravely second because I recently had a wisdom tooth pulled, and it was excruciating. Like, I know a lot of people have their wisdom teeth pulled, and they're like, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad. I was out of commission for like a day or two. I only had one pulled, mind you, but it was like the worst thing ever wait the worst pain I've, I've, I've definitely heard it's worse if you're older not old but like older like because i had mine out when i was 16 and it wasn't bad and two of them weren't even in yet i had all four out and it wasn't not. bad but then my brother had his out at like 24 and <laughs> he was miserable so it was it yeah was bad. i I had to um, get one removed uh, I, w- I guess it was around two years ago so i was 27 or 28 and it just to remove one, it took them like an hour and 45 minutes. It was oh, miserable. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. So screw wisdom teeth forever. And the only reason why I'm bringing that up is not to have a pity party, even though it was awful and you should feel bad for me. Um, I, I was on painkillers and I played a lot of Bravely Second. Cool. And that cool. was the only highlight of the experience. If they're called wisdom teeth, why are they? Why, why do we have to get them pulled out? <laughs> so moving on, we also have uh, Mike. I also like Dragon Quest Four Solosi. Yes, that's me. I'm Monsoon on the boards, and I also really like Dragon Quest IV, even though they added the stupid Russian accents to Elena's tow- town, and I never oh, really got that. Oh my god, that game is really just... not pleasant to read. <laughs> no, it's, it's, like re- it's like trying to read like the moles in the old Redwall books. It's just these stupid accents that it's like solving a puzzle just trying to ha- understand what they're saying. <laughs> I have to read it out loud. I have to read it out loud, or else I just get it's really not... confused. Yeah. And it's not much better than Ragnar's Town, which I think are supposed to be Scottish accents, but yep. again, yep. just look like a lot of strange apostrophes. We have to go after the wee barons. What? <laughs> like, oh my god. I mean, it works so well in Dragon Quest VIII because they're all voiced. So it, like, yeah. sounds amazing in Dragon Quest VIII, but here it's just like... Yeah. I feel like deciphering bad accents is it, not fun. It will still never be as bad as Chrono Cross and trying to understand French. That, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my <laughs> god! Oh, it was man. actually easier to read Magnolia speaking French in Bravely Second than understanding those accents in Dragon Quest Four. Ooh boy! And then finally, we have uh, Steven. I'm still in Japan, Myrink. That's all accurate. That that is all. Are you still doing okay? You're drinking your coffee this morning. It's it's very early for you right now. Well, I'm about halfway through, so I'm about 50%, I would say. I, I'm going to mail you some Death Wish coffee. This episode of RPG Fan brought to you by Death Wish Coffee. Death Wish coffee. Uh, <laughs> we should definitely... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding when I... Like, it is it is fantastic because it tastes good. It's not just a caffeine rush that makes you feel like you could fight the bear from the Revenant. It's also, like, it tastes really, really good. Oh my god, spoilers. I haven't seen the Revenant. Yeah, I didn't know he gets nominated that bear for best supporting actress. Uh, it it would have been better if uh, you know The Revenant had been a good movie, but that's neither here nor there. I, I okay, that's not fair. It was okay. I don't say I heard it's pretty good. It was okay, and it's also Leonardo DiCaprio getting the makeup Oscar, like he should have gotten it for any number of other roles, and they gave it to Just him. Just like how Scorsese won his Oscar yep. for Departed, and yep. not for Goodfellas or yep. Raging Bull or yep. all of his other good stuff. See, this is why I keep that Mike on stuff. the. See, Mike is like the yin to Steven's yang. Yeah. He just agrees I with am. me. <laughs> That's what I love. I, well, I, okay, war. okay. Oh, I really want to see it. I've heard nothing but good things. Well, if you hated Batman versus Superman, make a list of all the things you hated. This movie did them better. Uh, 
<laughs> I need to see Civil War. I, I, I'm actually more excited to see Civil War after Batman v Superman because of how bad that movie was. But we're not a video. We're not a. I was gonna say we're not a video game podcast. We're not a movie podcast. We're, we're not a movie podcast. We are a video game podcast, and we have lots of video games to talk about this week, including a lot of really exciting news. Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse. What? Here we go. It has awesome music. Oh, I'm excited. There's literally a character named Revenant in Bravely Second. <laughs> so it all it all comes together. Segway. He or she fight a bear. Uh no, he is the ghost of a child trapped in a suit of armor. But never mind. So let's oh, talk man. let's talk about Bravely Second. So I think Having only played the demo for Bravely Default, I think my only question to everybody based on the news and the reviews for the original game is, did they fix the grinding? Yeah. I okay. Mean, no. What, what, what <laughs> kind of grinding, though, do you mean? Yeah, did they... I I guess the... Repetitiveness the of the story? Yes, the fact, the fact that you have to do the same thing, what, like three or four times? That's what I Yeah, thought. okay. Right, um, they did fix that. In uh, in Bravely Default, you play uh, through one chapter... Okay, right, nah, let me slow down. You play through chapters 1 through 4 like a normal RPG, and then chapters 5 through 8 are repeating the events of 1 through 4 in a faster way, and it sucks. I adore that game, and I find that design decision pretty indefensible, and it was basically a deal-breaker for a lot of people playing it. And, I mean, I still loved it, but I totally get it when people hated that aspect of it bravely second does not completely abandon the idea of redoing and repeating certain things but it's much much better i would agree with that wholeheartedly that's one of the main reasons why i fell out of i wouldn't even say love because i never really loved it i fell out of like with bravely default so hard um i loved everything that it was doing in terms of the job system because job systems are a lot of fun when done well see final fantasy 5 11 3 14 uh and many other games that aren't Final Fantasy. But, yeah, it just the, I just felt like it was so abusive of the player's goodwill. Like, it disrespected your time to such an incredibly awful degree. Like, why... why? It just doesn't make sense to me to... Yeah, and, to and, well, like, and, and the characters, are, it's it's self-aware of what it's, of what it's doing. Like, there is a... I'm, I, I, I'm not saying it's a, it, it's a good reason, but there is a justification for why they do that. And the player's... Or, you know, like uh, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. It's like, why am I doing this over and over? What's wrong? There's something wrong here. I read an interesting take on that. Uh, There was an article, and I I feel bad because I can't remember who wrote it or where I even saw it. But there was somebody... uh, Oh, I read that one. Yeah, the article about, like, they think that the frustrating nature of Bravely Bravely Default's uh, latter half is to actually get the player into the same mindset as the characters, which is, like, we're frustrated that we're stuck in a time loop. Which is, like kind of a stretch i think that's an interesting idea like just just to discuss but i don't really think that that's like well i mean i i get that i mean a lot of movies deliberately try to dis uh disgust or make the uh viewer uncomfortable and that that doesn't make me like it more that make that makes me understand why it's doing it but it doesn't make me like it and for bravely default to do that I, I basically agree with you. It's disrespectful of the player, even though they have their reasons for exactly why they're doing it. But re- regardless of how much you like or dislike that part of Bravely Default, I think that it's uh, it's made a lot better in Bravely Second. Like, Bravely Second is a much more forgiving way of doing that repetition thing. Yeah, this is going to seem very shallow, because I, I had the same issue with the first one where I really liked it, and then I got sort of tired of 
the grindiness and also the awful characters, which I think the last time yeah. we talked about that yeah. game, I liked them and I don't anymore. They're stupid. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm an unabashed ring a bell hater. I think he's one of the worst characters I've seen in an RPG in such a long time. And well, normally I can, I can be a little bit more ambivalent about some characters, but I think that dude is trash. Actually, I didn't, I, I've ring a bell's annoying, but, I, I actually hated on yes more by the end because she was I think just she, she's annoying too. Yeah, like she, like the whole time, like she's this Nadeshiko playing the victim character that I just was completely sick of by the end. Well, thankfully, Bravely Second, as I I talked about this when uh, we discussed the demo for Bravely Second, is that it cuts the cast from the first game in half and gives us the good half. <laughs> <laughs> so so my my, sorry, my, sorry. my my shallow comment is this: I hear mm-hmm. everything about the game is better, but the soundtrack is way worse. Does it yeah. play better in the game? Because the music is really bland in the soundtrack. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I um I had the soundtrack several months before the game came out in the United States. And uh, I I did not like the soundtrack listening to it as a CD. It's a little better within game context. And it does help that uh, the game retains a lot of Bravely Default soundtrack as well. Like, um, yeah. it has you go back to, I think, all of the major towns from Bravely Default and all of the town themes are still there. And mm-hmm. certain boss, certain certain boss fights have uh, boss music from Bravely Default, and um, I I agree. I basically think that Bravely Second's music is a little better in context than Standalone, but it's not uh, it's not the mind blow that the soundtrack to Bravely Default was. I adored the Bravely Default soundtrack, I and agree. I don't totally. I, yeah, 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 I, I don't. And this, the really second soundtrack is, you know, fine, but not nearly at the level of uh, yeah. Revo's work on Bravely Default. It's most definitely like a de- a decent soundtrack, a decent to good soundtrack. It's just a we've we got spoiled, yeah, by Bravely Default's yeah. incredible mm-hmm. music, and especially like having beaten the game, um, I don't think that any of the final boss or final area music was anywhere near as memorable as Bravely Default's. In fact, yeah. the entire ending sequence of bravely second i think isn't as good i mean that's all i really say about it but it's well um okay i don't want to spoil anything either in in but in bravely default they uh they they break the fourth wall and become self-aware as a game with in a way with its ending and bravely second does a similar thing that is not the same as bravely default it's i thought it was cool but you know not the best part of the game which is the job system of course yeah the the jobs return in this game. There were 18 in the previous game. There are 30 in this one. There not, are uh, not it quite. It, no, well, no. Um, there was 24 in the in default. Then they oh, removed 24. six. Yeah, they removed six and add 12. So now, but now it's 30. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was wondering why. Like, it seemed like there were more than the original. Thank you very much. Yeah. There are 30 jobs in this one, and I was wrong. Uh, it's just, sorry, like you said, they, they, that. That's okay. They did cut. Uh, no, I want to be accurate. They they cut some of them. Um, the ones that they cut, I don't really miss that much because they were kind of variants of other classes that fulfill similar niches. Um, and in this one, like, like for example, one of the, the classes that was cut was the Mystic Knight, which was like a um, mm-hmm. sword enchanter that could enchant their swords with elements. And now we have Hawkeye, which uses a gun to do similar things. So, um, And it functions a bit differently overall, but it, it still has that ability. Yeah, I think the jobs are really fun this time around. Um, it would have been easy for them to include kind of throwaway new classes that don't really do anything novel, but there's some cool stuff. There's like a um, guardian is a class that utilizes possession as a mechanic. So you can possess either other, other party members, enemies, or you can have uh, other party members possess you. And it's sort of like, it combines um, HP and MP pools 
to give you more strength. Um, and you can utilize this uh, resource that they have called Soul Power to do things like unleash yeah. attacks enemies. <laughs> the Soul Power thing, it almost is like you're uh, you're getting a like a super meter in a fighting game or something because it it uh, it grows as you take damage and lets you unleash powerful attacks. It's it's uh, Guardian's a lot of fun and it's one of the tankiest classes in the game. So. I would do things like, you know, give it knight skills so it could equip two shields and just be this unkillable tank, and then have my patissier decorate my guardians so that enemies would always attack it and, and let my, you know, mages and uh, and hawkeyes and fencers attack on their own. It's it, the, the like the interplay between jobs is as good as ever, and it's a super fun class system yes. to play around with. It's, I was constantly switching out jobs and trying new combos of stuff, and it almost universally worked for me. Like, I I felt like in Bravely Default, I know that w- there were a lot of the same classes, so this may have just been something that I could chalk up to my own, I don't know, inexpertise. But in Bravely Default, I would often feel like there were there was probably one character in my party who didn't necessarily jive with the rest in terms of strategy. Like I wasn't layering skills or abilities well enough for me to have everything mesh super well. And in second, it was constantly like I just found ways to make stuff work. Like you said, the Patissier is another new class that decorates pastries in the heat of battle. That do various <laughs> things like enfeebling enemies, uh, making them weak against elements, poisoning, uh, or removing their resistances to things, or like, or like making you know less defense, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's a fun class. You can combine that. You can do like the element weakening pastries and combine that with a Hawkeye's elemental attacks. Um, you can do stuff like the new wizard class is basically what you get as your black mage replacement early in the game. Black mage exists too, but um, that's a super cool class. It lets you do spell crafting which is uh, you can alter any spell into a different, uh, I don't know, like format for that spell. So you have like your generic elements like fire, water, whatever. And I can say, oh, I want to make that into a hammer spell that does physical damage. I want to make that into a mist that hits the enemy at the start of every turn. Um, And you can combine that spellcraft ability with other classes stuff too. So like I uh, I had a summoner character who had this really, really powerful healing spell. It was a Amaterasu summon. And so I had it a mist. So like at the beginning of every turn, I would just get like 9,000 health back for full party. And then I could use time mages meteor spell and cast that as a rain so that it would hit four yep. times. Like it's just, it works so well. And, and it's, it's not half-assed. Like all of these abilities play off of each other in really cool, interesting ways. And I mean, the job system in combat, I think for me, besides the soundtrack was the best part of the first game. And the reason why I cared about it and in the second one, I get to enjoy all of that with like a cast that doesn't make me hate them and uh, a story that's more respectful of my time as a player. Yeah, that seems to be the case. Like at first I sort of tolerated like ring a bell in the first one. And like as time went on, it became it, it's one of those things where you can tolerate it at first. And then after a having to repeat stuff, it's like, all right, this guy sucks. He needs to stop. And like the cat like it. It's sort of a pattern that I don't like in anime, too, of, like, we must rely on a stereotype. Like, there has to be a pervy character, and there has to be a tsundere. Of course there does, because that's how we tell stories now. And if you don't do anything to meaningfully, like, elaborate on that, or in Ring of Bell's case, you punch people in the face with it until they hate him and want him to just disappear forever... uh, I just wanted to yell at Ring of Bell. But anyway... I feel like people, people love him, though. Like, anytime I bring this up in a public forum, like on Twitter or whatever, I'd be like, everything was great. Well, not everything, but you know, so much was great, but I hate ring a bell. And I try not to be too vocal about that kind of stuff. Cause I don't want to like crap on other people's enjoyment, but 
anytime I bring it up, I feel like people rush to his defense and they're like, but you know, he's so noble in the end. Like, no, screw that. He's, he's an annoying <laughs> yeah. dick. He's, like he's noble in the way a guy tips his, he's noble in the way a guy tips his fedora at you and goes, hmm, lady person. Yeah. Well, ring a bell is in bravely second for about 10 minutes, which I think is the exact right amount of ring a bell. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. Even in that 10 minutes, I was like, God damn it, Ringo Bell. <laughs> He's like, can I press A any faster? Just skip through all his dialogue. Does the skeevy old man come back? No, thank God. No, he is, he, his class is one of the uh, six jobs that is not in this game. And I think they mention him like, oh, what's he up to? But he does not show up at all. Oh. And um, it, it, it also helps. I mean, like, uh, Agnes and Ringo Bell, I thought were the two most annoying of Bravely Default. But the two new ones that they replace him with, uh, Magnolia and you, I think are... You know, you know they're they're fun. They're definite improvements over those two. I mean, they're uh, they they have a little romance angle between them for most of the game, and it's and it's cute, but it's not you know yeah. they they don't really hit you over the head with it too hard. Is it a spoiler to ask if there are only four party members? Uh, um, you have four people in battle with you. You yeah, fair, fair enough. That's, that's you, well, you that's you start response. the game. You start the game with if you played the demo. Um, I'm actually well, downloading it now. Okay, yeah, you have the the three Cavaliers, so um, Nikolai, Jan, and you are the starting party, um, which is that's who you play as in the demo as well, and then it'll it'll transition into the four final members later. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, your party for ninety five percent of the game is you, Tiz, Dia, and Magnolia. Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't even say that um, Bravely Second Story is like mind blowingly awesome. It's uh, I would actually say that in some ways it's not as good as Bravely Defaults just because of the really cool meta narrative stuff that Default does that I think surpasses the meta narrative stuff in Second. But it's it was enjoyable. I enjoyed playing that game all the way through, and there was never a point where I reached that fatigue where I was like, all right, I'm ready for this to end. Because um, I, I do get that way sometimes, and I I kind of hate it, but I I know that I have a tendency to when I near the end of games, I kind of want to charge headlong to the end and see the ending because I I need narrative closure. So uh, with Bravely Second, I never really got to that point where I was just mashing. Well, I never mash it through dialogue, but, you know, where I was just like, oh, I don't care. Hurry, go, 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 go. Um, and I think that may be in part because I anticipated some stuff to repeat a la Bravely Default. Like I, I thought I knew that when they said it's the final battle, I was like, we are in chapter four. You need to calm down. It is not the final <laughs> battle. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this is not your first RPG. Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's not my first medieval it's adventure. Not, exactly. It's not uh, so much a, a drastic departure from Bravely Default, but I think that it makes a case for the importance of attention to detail. I mean, there are just the little things like I talked about when we were discussing the demo, the uh, mechanic that lets you repeat con- consecutive battles for larger rewards that's such a big deal to me. I, I made so much uh, use of that, and I loved it. It just it made grinding way more fun. And the fact that the characters are not insufferable, in my opinion, <laughs> makes a big difference. Yeah, so, I, yeah. It's like the same. I, it's like the same game, but with just all the crap I didn't like cut out. How's the localization? Um, the local it, it is good. Um, God, they have so many conversations about food, especially when you're in the tent and like. One of them is cooking, and you basically hear about the cooking skills yeah. and the food preferences of every character. It's very and, tale, tales of like they yeah, really and, want to talk about food all the time. And and you, um, as in the character you, not not 
the people I'm speaking to right now, you, that, yeah, he really, really likes gravy. Oh my god! And and the way that the way that like a World of Warcraft paladin will say for the glory all the time, he will say for the gravy, for the gravy. all the time, all and the time. it's weird. It is. But, weird. Did you uh, see the thing I posted on Twitter? Oh, <laughs> I, oh, I'm I'm not uh I, oh. I'm not sure I remember. I'll I'll find it later. Okay. But uh yeah, I I think um. What Derek was saying before, how he, how even though Bravely Second does a lot of the same things Default does, it's he finds it much more tolerable. I think part of it is that it never really wears out its welcome, because Bravely Default is is long. Like my, I think my play clock on that thing was 80 hours plus, but for Bravely Second, it was only around 50 hours. Yep. So it it is a more streamlined experience than Bravely Default with fewer annoying parts, and uh, and that just makes it go by much more quickly and still and you know it it has the same strengths as bravely default does but with a, with a lot of the bad parts cut out so if you liked bravely default but got really annoyed by its ending uh but you know still had a lot to like about the core gameplay of bravely default then second i would wholeheartedly remec- rec- uh, nah, recommend bravely second but if you just didn't like bravely default from minute one then you probably still won't like bravely second yeah it's a better version of the first one with not so better music. IMO. Cool, cool. Yep. Sacrifices we make, I guess. <laughs> well, not I'll to be play the other soundtrack on iTunes. Yeah. Not to be too disruptive, but we now have uh, Jesse, attorney at law. Wu has decided to join us. Uh, Jesse, how you doing, sir? Uh, doing well. Someone stole my objection. Ah, can we do like a Smash Brothers? Ah, that like, would have been disbars the competition. That would have been so good if he just came in and did that. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's ne- it's neither here nor there. Oh, okay. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Jesse, we're glad to have you here. Uh, I want to cross-examine the parrot, Your Honor. Oh Jesus. This is gonna get really awkward really fast. So we just got done talking about Bravely Second. References. <laughs> You need to play more Ace Attorney. Uh, we need to. We ju- we just got done talking about Bravely Second, and everybody seems to be very positive on it right now. Uh, sounds like a better game, but maybe not as good of a story as Bravely Default is kind of the vibe that I was getting from you guys. Yeah, it's not. I mean, and even then, you know, it depends on what you qualify that as, like better story. Yeah, I I, I don't think it's like a perfect game by any means, but it it worked for me where the first one didn't, and I was really glad to see the adjustment that they made in it, because it, it, for me, it's like a solid, I don't know, I'd say it's a 8.5? Like an 8, maybe? I think 85 is literally the score I gave it for the review. And, uh, um, and yeah, I basically just use it as an excuse to uh, tinker around with that awesome job system for another 50 hours. For sure, yeah. I can't believe I put 50 hours into it, and as quickly as I did, too, because uh, pain, painkillers, man. I don't know where the time goes. Painkillers are awesome. People get addicted to those, Rob. They have to go to treatment for it. I don't know what you're talking about. I did pull my back out. that's how you get more OxyContin. I I pulled my back out something fierce the other day. Somebody decided to put a broken chair in the hallway, and while I was waiting to talk to a colleague, I sat and said broken chair. and And, like, devastated my back, and that was followed by a stream of obscenities up and down the hall going, like, who sets up a broken chair? Why would you do that? (laughs) So I kind of hated everybody. You are, you're that old guy that yells at all the kids. Yeah, I know. And it was funny because my colleague was turning 40 and I'm 31 and I felt like I was 50. 
Like, I was just like, wow, my back is in a lot of pain. Jackie had to go out and get one of those heating pads, and it was the upper part of my back, so when she wrapped it around me, it was like I was walking around with a bra, and I had limited mobility. It was just, it, it was... It was a bad day. It was a bad day. But uh, Bear Aspirin, Bear Aspirin will take away your back problems. So now we got Bear Aspirin that we need to get money from. Death Wish Coffee we need to get money from. Okay, we're just going to pimp this site out. Something fierce. Okay. And- ah, sorry, my back was hurting. I just got back from taking some Bear Aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, and Mike, you've also been playing a little bit of The World Ends With You. You know, that game with zippers that I hate. Yeah, it I mean, you look at the art of the characters in that game, and it's 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 a Tetsuya Nomura nightmare. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, and it's uh, and it's set in um, Akibahara or you know whatever, like the, that trendy part of downtown Tokyo. And it's it wears that sort of aesthetic on its sleeve, which is part of why I don't like it as much as I wish I did. I'm p- currently playing that game for Retro Encounter, our um our game club podcast thing. Uh, alongside Josh Curry, and it's uh, that Josh. I, I, I hate everything Curry. Yeah, he hates a lot of things, but he doesn't hate this. Um, unusually on uh, on this version of the podcast, like he is the shoulder angel, and I'm the shoulder devil with this game. Oh, really? Yeah, I I am not everything he plays. He's like yeah. people think. Yeah, no, basically he's trying to talk me into liking this game, and I tried playing it years ago and didn't like it, and I'm giving it a second chance for the podcast. So right now I'm uh, I'm very early on in week three, which I and I understand that there's like three weeks in the game and then a final boss. And I still don't love it. Like, when you finally get like 15 badges and can tinker around and your eyes get used to darting from the top to bottom screen like you're watching a game of Pong sideways, it's... Uh, it gets better, but it has a bad first impression, and I still think that the art is dumb because I'm I don't like <laughs> buttons and zippers as much as Japanese teenagers. They don't like. So them yeah. Like- so yeah, I, I know I know Rob doesn't want me to talk about this game for long, so we can end it here. But uh, hopefully, we'll have those episodes up of Retro Encounter soon. It's not that I hated that game. Uh, okay, that is exactly. I mean, I, I mean, no, no. It, it, like, I, I, I gave it a shot. Like, I, I kind of dug the storyline. Like, again, I love nine nine nine. I love VLR. Like, I love that kind of you know teenagers in the middle of some kind of game where life is on the line. Which, as a teacher, that's probably not a good thing. But like uh, that you're, game, you're like reading about battle royale and then looking at your students. I, I actually really, I really loved reading battle royale. That was a really awesome book to read, and I love the movie but it it was just like I could not understand that game at all it just bewildered me to a point of just like I feel like my eyes are bleeding and I don't want to this kind of gets to something we're going to talk about with a few games when when well we might as well just do the segue right now if a game doesn't do a good job of explaining itself like I can kind of meet it somewhere (laughs) in but but I had Demon Souls and 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 Demon Souls was a little unfortunate because we got it so late that of course the internet had kind of taken away all the ambiguity and I could look on wikis and stuff and make sense of things. But I I agree with you, Steven, I I totally agree with you that that, like for a a newcomer to the souls games and not having any source of information, that's a lot to take in. Wouldn't argue the point. Um, Then there's Neo, which wow. 
Wow. Oh, I thought you were gonna talk about a, a different game with Japanese teenagers murdering each other. No, we'll get to ja- we'll get to Japanese teenagers mur- murdering each other in a couple seconds, but uh uh Neo is the uh Team Ninja developed Souls slash Onimusha slash Diablo clone that is uh coming out to the PlayStation 4 exclusively. There is an alpha demo available for everybody to play, so I was kinda like, should I even write a preview for this? Because you can play it and make your own decisions. Um, well, not everyone. Some, they might, there's also the audience that doesn't have a PS4, you know? Sure, sure, sure. So I, so, so I played this demo and I, I knew something was kind of amiss when the first enemy in the game, like, hit me one time and practically killed me. And I was like, huh. Okay. And so I had to get used to the fact that this is much more of an RPG than the Souls games. Like, equipment really, really matters in this game. Uh, the main character, William, your uh, uh, Asian, uh, European descendant uh, samurai, who, if this game was being made by white people, would we suddenly be saying that they are whitewashing a samurai? Is it okay because it's being developed by Team Ninja? I'm not entirely sure I want to jump into that. I, I'm just, I, I, I'm just saying, like, would would this be the whitewashing argument that I've been hearing about everything right now? But because Team Ninja did it, it's okay. Well, Team Ninja well, sucks. I'm not, I'm not sure anybody's making that argument actually. But... No, I, I actually haven't. Uh, but I, I guess I'm just wondering, would there be outrage? And maybe I'm, uh, maybe well, I'm again looking for outrage where there is none. As the, as the only Asian person on this podcast, um, <laughs> and Williams in your name too. That's true. That's, that's, all right, it's all practically right. about me. Um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be more like Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai, but this is better. <laughs> what, what do you think, Jesse? I, it, I mean, the whole yes, they. I mean, they do get a pass probably because it's an Asian company, and they're like Japanese seem to have like this this thing about like you know we'll, we they want to have like a white looking character but they still want to connect it to japanese culture so they'll just say like oh they're half you know they're half asian half japanese half american or whatever although you know very rarely do uh hapa people have blonde hair right like i don't think i've ever seen one um i wouldn't know um, well, from what I understand also, because I was curious about that, I think it's actually based on a historical figure. Um, I think that I, I think it's based on um, like William Adams or something. I don't I don't I'm not familiar with it. But uh, from what I understand, Team Ninja said that he is based on like a real person. And that's why he's the character you play as. Right. I, I don't Some guy that was in Heroes. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to cast stones. I just found it to be like a little awkward. Also, the fact the guy looks exactly like Geralt, and like the eight four guys have already been up and down on that. He's literally but literally Geralt. He 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 is. He shows up in a white tunic and a sword, and I was like, so he's Geralt, is what you're telling me. So like beginning part of this game, like you are just getting obliterated until you pick up a couple pieces of armor and make yourself a little bit stronger. And Did it's you like, really think so though, like. I, uh, dude, like, I was expecting to take at least one hit, and my entire health bar was gone. And, like, I don't want to cut your point off, but I just want to, like, so when I first started playing, uh, basically, I didn't know anything about the game at all. I just knew that you told me it was terrible. Um, (laughs) And so the first thing I did was summon another player's corpse, and I got murdered. 
And then I did it about 20 times and I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this. Uh, so I went and fought enemies and maybe it's because I fought corpses who can kill you in literally I, one hit. I think that's what happened. Uh, but the enemies don't really hit, like they hit about two or three times. But I also feel like part of it is that this game appears to play like Dark Souls, but in fact is very different. Like, yes. yes. If you try to play it like Dark Souls, like I did it first, you're just going to get murdered because you can't block everything because if you run out of stamina, you go into that stun mode and the enemy immediately murders you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it looks like a Souls game. It has the, the key meter, which is basically endurance. Uh, your stamina meter. It, you move around the character sort of like a Souls game when you lock on, and we're going to talk about that a little bit because that needs to change if I'm even going to try playing this game again. But it isn't a Souls game. Like, the animations don't... It, it's more combat, combo-driven. It's not as animation-driven. It doesn't really seem like you have invincibility frames when you're rolling around. Like, if you roll through an enemy's attack, it will still hit you, so you have to use blocking and dodging in order to be effective. And once I, like, fought the first enemy a few times, I, I started to get like, oh, okay, I've kind of figured out a rhythm to this game. I got it. And it's... It's interesting because I think this game really excels in the one-on-one -on -one combat. Like, this game is all about stamina management. It's actually very, very harsh. Like Steven said, if you run out of stamina, you enter into a staggered state for, like, three seconds. That is basically death. Like, if well, you... It, it, yeah, it's pretty much death. And, like, a big part of that one-on-one -on -one combat is, like, you are supposed to be watching your enemy. You have your three stances, like... And if you make a mistake, you die. And to an extent, I think that could be a learning curve. It could also be Team Ninja BS because Team Ninja sucks. But um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, like what I found compelling about that one-on-one -on -one combat was like in the first few fights alone, like the game, the game doesn't tell you until you get the tooltip as to what each stance is good for. But like the mid stance is the stance is the reaction stance. Like you can an enemy attacks you, you can block and then react. Whereas the high stance rewards you for sort of reading your enemy's attack and hitting them. And the low stance is sort of a little more safe. Um, I found the low stance, though, like, consistently, I would hit the enemy one time and it would push them out of my range so I couldn't combo it well. Like, yeah, I really well, didn't like the low stance. That really didn't feel right. Well, so the low stance I found good if you had multiple enemies because it keeps them away from you. Because, like, when you uh... fight one enemy... you you can initiate a chain, but if you have multiples, you really don't want them all to be hitting you at once. Like, you want to stun one or two of them. Uh, like, so that's what I mean when I say, like, I definitely get where you're coming from, and I don't, you know, because the game could be unbalanced being an alpha. Um, sure. Like, I definitely get where you're coming from with that. I, I, I might even end up agreeing. I just, for me, it seems like the game, because it has the appearance of a Souls title, it, like, I don't know. For me, subconsciously, I was like, all right, well, I got to start playing this like Dark Souls. I better start circle strafing this guy and rolling around him. And then they do a sweep attack and stab you in the face and you die. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, I, 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 I do really wonder to what extent that's going to be. This is because it's definitely a harder game. Like, I feel like the uh, particularly Namco Bandai, which I'm shaking my fist at them for doing this, is marketing Dark Souls as this impossible game where you just die a lot. And the Souls games are just games where you have to play them carefully. This is a game. This is the game that Namco Bandai thinks they're making. Yes, I mean I, this like, game. This I is the game where like you get ganked by like a farmer and you die. Yeah, I died more in my three hours of demo time with this game than the entire run of Dark Souls three. <laughs> yeah, like, like I got obliterated in this game. Like I told you straight up, I started the game. I you know the first rocks on the beach that you walk past. Yeah, you fell into like, the ocean, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't fall. I didn't fall in the ocean, <laughs> but like. 
the first like dead player I saw, I was like, oh, of course I'm going to summon this guy and kill him and get his souls and go level up some more. No, I died like 20 straight times because I'm stubborn. And I was like, I can beat this guy. And then I finally beat one. I was like, all right, uh, huh, I'm going to go fight these bandits. And and by then you had kind of gotten used to the combat system. And again, the, the game has, it's hard to tell in a demo if the game has an exceptional amount of depth or if it's unbalanced, or if it's needlessly complicated. Like, I don't know the answer to any of those questions. What I do know is that the one-on-one combat in open spaces is what the game is doing well, but then the game is insisting on putting me into, like, here's three guys running straight at you, and you're just screwed, or you're in a small room and the camera flips out, or when you get to the rooftop area, like, just F (laughs) F that whole area. Like, just F it. I, I, I wonder how much of that is balancing, though. Um, could be. Because could I be. agree. Like, the rooftop area is like, oh, I got hit, and I'm dead. Um, like, you just... Like, when you fight... Ugh. Well, because I was reading online, and um, this guy who plays a lot of Monster Hunter on his YouTube channel was streaming it for his, his fans, and, like, he's really into, like, these kinds of games, like Monster Hunter and Dark Souls and such. Um, and he was talking about how he was trying to play it like Dark Souls, like, you know, blocking carefully. And how when you have multiple enemies, blocking is not really an option because you lose so much stamina from a block, at least early in the game, that if three enemies attack you at once, the first one's going to break your guard, the second one's going to stun you, and the third one's going to gut you with a super attack. Yeah, and then you're dead. Um, Yeah, I get that. So, like, you know... Again, I, I totally with you. I died I died a lot in those sequences too. So I don't know to what extent it's bad balance, which again, it's an alpha demo, but... um, Versus, you know, like, all right, this is just cheap. Like, I I don't feel like what I played was not fixable via some balancing. Or I guess it could also be, like you said, more RPG than Dark Souls. Although I don't know that I agree with that yet or not. But it could also be that when you level up a little bit more, suddenly you're able to stand toe-to-toe. Which would sort of go to odds with their, like, frame-perfect battle system they appear to be going for. And, and, so, go ahead, Jesse. Well, I was just curious, like since we're making all these comparisons to Dark Souls, how punishing is it oh, when my. you die? Uh-uh. Is that really awful? No, it's... It, okay, so that's actually funny. It, it is not punishing at all when you die because you can go recover your uh, your souls, your... Um, is it Armida? It, whatever it is. It's like, it's, Okay. But what it is punishing on, and and this is this is a balancing thing purely, but I really hope they get the message. The weapon durability in this game can just go to hell. Like like yeah. within a couple battles, your your weapons are just like apparently these swords are made out of butter and tinfoil, and like after you fight with them a few times, they go to hell, and then you have to go to this like really bad Diablo-style loot system of, I now have 37 swords, and each one has marginal increases in stats, and now I need to compare all of these swords and re-equip my swords, and it's like, why does this game have a Diablo loot system? It, it, like, I don't understand why. Well, like, I find that, but this flashes me back to when we talked about Diablo with John, and John said he hated just looking for the green arrows. Yeah, and that's what this game is. This game is find the green arrows. Well, I, you know, I, I agree that you get a lot of stuff um, and their menu system definitely does need work. Um, but on the other hand, I don't personally think that's a bad thing of getting a lot of stuff on its own because I like getting a lot of loot, especially in a game that appears to reward that sort of thing. And again, it's sort of like Dark Souls 1. You have a million weapons in Dark Souls 1 and the menu system in that game is a little more sensical. But there are definitely people 
who would argue that same problem is present in Dark Souls One. Right, right, and 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 again, it it is a it's a demo. I'm not trying to damn the game right now, but like, and they're apparently taking feedback on it, much the same way Final Fantasy 15 did. So I think that's a real positive. But like, the camera system, the lock-on system is is garbage. Like, I, straight up, if you're fighting more than one enemy and you try to lock on and, like, move the cursor around, it just doesn't work. And also, when you're... And this gets to what Steven's saying, that this isn't really a Souls game. When you're locked onto an enemy, if you try to, like, move backward, like, oh, I'm going to back up, if you press the analog stick too far... Like, if you press it just a little bit, he'll back up slowly. If you press it too far, he'll just turn his back and start walking in the opposite direction. That will get you hit, because you're, like, all of a sudden, you're just pointing your back at the enemy. And that got me, like, that messed me up on the first boss fight in this, but when I was like, wow, I'm blocking, and now suddenly I'm not. And part of it is also, I mean... The way they want you to fight is facing the enemy and yeah. them with your guard up like that. Sure. Um, I actually had a different experience. I found that the system worked really well for me. Like, if I wanted to stand my guard, I could. And then as soon as I needed to run, I could quickly turn around. Um, like, I, I guess I'm not sure, like, what your precise issue with it was. Because it, I felt like when you were locked onto it, at least with one enemy, if you block, the auto-facing, I thought, was really good. And then all you have to do to really run in a, any free direction is just put your guard down. And, like, you can quickly hop with the, the dodge thing. Right, but you also want to keep your guard down because you recover stamina faster. So when I'm keeping my guard down, but I still want to move a little bit to recover some stamina, which is, like, Dark Souls 101, like, always be always be moving. ABM, always be moving. Like, but that was just... the thing, though. Dark Souls 101 doesn't work here. Well, true, but then the camera starts getting screwy when all of a sudden it decides to put William right front and center, and I can't see the enemy anymore and whether or not he's attacking me because Team Ninja sucks, and Team Team Ninja has never had a good camera system, and this ca- I agree with yeah. the, this camera. When, when this camera's good, everything's fine. But when it's like, hey, we're gonna put William in a position where now you can't see what you're fighting, it's like, oh, that's great. So I don't know. I I see promise in this game, but if the best thing this game is doing is the one-on-one fighting, then focus on the one-on-one fighting. You know, don't don't put me into gank situations where, okay, there's... So you would, you would prefer it if Neo was like a Dead or Alive sequel? I would prefer it if it would just do the strength of its combat system. This is the reason I don't like Bayonetta and the reason I didn't like Ninja Gaiden after like the first two levels. They start throwing enemies at you that seem counter to the combat system that they've created. Like, Bayonetta is a combo crazy game where you're like doing crazy summon attacks and then you start fighting enemies that just flat out ignore your attacks. So it becomes like, hit them a few times, then run away. And it's like... Well, wait a minute. The combat system was built around all this stuff. The game that I think does that really well, and everyone hated, but now everyone seems to love, is DMC Devil May Cry, where that game was built around pushing and pulling enemies, and every combat scenario was built with that in mind. And that's why that... Okay, I get it. So you wish this was Ninja Theory and not Team Ninja. I I wish I that almost always wish that. Well, true. I, you, I I sometimes mix those two companies up and I feel bad every time. But what, what Metroid fans also feel that way. Oh. Oof. But what I oh. what I wish is that like if you're if you're 
good if the thing you got going for you is one-on-one combat then why like put you into nasty like one-on-one combat in an open area where the camera can't get stuck then why like put me into a room with like three guys or like hey it looks like i'm gonna fight this oni enemy but there was this other enemy in the back that suddenly got involved in the fight and now i'm fighting two guys at once like don't do that like, or at least give me enough stones to throw at the enemy to to lure them out. That started to become a real pain in the ass. Like, I, it could all. Be- I was just charged in. <laughs> yeah, see, and I, I've I've just given up on charging in on this game. Like, and and just the the level design to me is really not very good. Like, again, it's a demo. I get that, but it's it's funny because when Steven came on in the pre-show recording, I talked about how I feel like I'm the odd man out because a lot of people on message boards are talking about how much they love this game. Steven feels the opposite. Like he's the one, he's the odd man out. (laughs) Well, no, I, I just, I think there's a very broad reaction to the game. And I think that, I think that makes sense. I actually feel like people are being fairly open to it, but also very vocal that it has ways to go, but the game's pretty far out. And I mean, when we had a final fantasy 15 alpha demo, it looks nothing like the game. Sure. Sure. And plays substantially different. Like, uh, so like for me, if it's a, if it's an episode Duskay versus, you know, platinum demo current FF15 type scenario, I think that they have plenty of time to tighten it up because I think this combat system is a lot more fun than episode Duskay was before all the changes they made. So, uh, I think they have a good foundation, but there's definitely room to go. Like I would, if I had paid for this right now and it was in this state, I would probably be like, yeah, I think you're being, I think maybe the reason why my anger is a little bit higher on this game is that I really was looking forward to this ever since the TGS demo. Like, it blew me away with what I saw. Looked super impressive. Like, I I liked the combat system. It looked like it was really fun, fast, and fluid, and... But then I started playing it, and I was just like, ugh, I don't really... And I I think the other thing that that gets me is it does the Dragon's Dogma thing. It really does, where, like, this enemy doesn't look any different than the ones I previously fought, and all of a sudden, he's doing way more damage to me. Like, that that was the Dragon's Dogma thing of, like, okay, this guy is apparently... He has better equipment, but I had no idea of that until I started fighting him, and I took one hit and died. Okay, now I gotta get better equipment. Okay, now I can fight you. Okay, fight through a couple more guys. Oh, I got to another guy that does a stupid amount of damage. Alright, now I gotta get more... Uh, does this game have to be a loot game? I think that would be one of my questions. Is like, does it need to be a loot game? I don't... See, it's kind of the same feeling I had with Darksiders 2. Like, I feel like the loot is taking away from this game. Like, I don't want to have to be fiddling through menus to find the katana that is less broken than the other katanas. Uh, do you think part of the reason they include that loot system is because the weapons are all fragile and you may need to, you know, keep shuffling in new katanas because the ones you use keep getting broken? Well, the, my my point would be just get rid of the weapon durability. Like at the, at this point, right. so, mm-hmm. at, at this point, Souls has basically gotten rid of weapon durability because when you rest at a bonfire, your weapons all recharge. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. On a similar note, Fire Emblem Fates, which came out a few weeks ago in North America, uh. Got rid of weapon durability for everything except for like a few legendary weapons, and it was so awesome not having to worry about you know keeping enough iron swords in your inventory anymore. Yeah, that was, was a good change. Yeah, the, like the, the more like it, it just got rid of a lot of the stress of the game, and which and you know seeing how much I enjoyed it made me think 
does any game ever need weapon durability? Really? I, I don't understand so, why. I don't understand why Diablo has weapon durability. I mean, I I don't like. And all I, it means is, like, yeah, you're just paying eighty gold every time you go to the blacksmith. It's it's totally meaningless. Right. Right. And and Souls has done away with it for the most part. I mean, there's still mechanics where like certain enemies will break your equipment and then you'd have to go back to the blacksmith and repair it. But for the most part, it's gone now. And so as I'm playing Neo, I'm like, okay, if you want to have a loot system, that's fine. But like, think about how long it took Diablo 3. And this is a point in Neo's favor. Think about how long it took Diablo 3 to find a really good balance of loot so that you weren't just getting vendor trash all the time and like actually give the loot some meaning and make it special. It took them like a year of development after the game was released. So it's very hard to get that loop right. I almost feel like just take it out of Neo. Like just just honestly remove it. But maybe that maybe it's something that really does open up the further you play with it. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I think in terms of demos, it's really hard for me to imagine people that were turned off to the Souls series. Like, Derek, I think you're a prime example. It, it's hard for me to believe, like, you would play this game and go, like, yeah, this is the one I want to play. Like, I could see you just going, well, F this. Like, this is everything about the Souls series that you don't like. Yeah, I think... Uh, I guess I'm just I I don't know. We talked about this before, but I think the only thing that could really get me into a Souls game would be like a sci-fi setting. I would try that. What, what's the name of that one that's coming out? Uh, that's the Surge by the, uh, the guys Surge. who made uh, Lords of the Fallen, and and the first video for that looked that's, okay. That's a terrible yeah, title, okay. but <laughs> I'm just I just think that that's the gameplay loop structure format, whatever you want to call it, doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I've tried, I've tried several. I mean, repeatedly, and I, I maintain that Bloodborne was way more what I am interested in than Dark Souls style stuff. Like, because I've been watching my roommate play uh, Dark Souls three for the last week or two since since it came out, whenever that was. Uh, watching him play tons of it, and it's just like, nah, this isn't really my thing. So uh, I don't think Neo is. It doesn't sound like uh, the fix that I would need to enjoy that series. And, and again, maybe this game, when it comes out, like I fall instantly in love with it. And, you know, there there is something appealing here. Like there really is. That one-on-one -on -one combat, I haven't felt something like that since Bushido Blade. And I remember me and my buddy Brian playing Bushido Blade, and we had no idea how to make that game work. But, man, did we have fun running around like idiots just chopping at the air. Like there was there, – there's something really cool about that style of game. I just – I hope that they listen to the criticism of here's the thing you're doing well. Maybe focus on that. Like maybe focus on that one-on-one -on -one combat. Maybe make those encounters – really impactful instead of like, oh, here's two mook enemies and I'm just going to cut them apart real quick. Why not just put a guy there that's maybe a little bit tougher and take away some of the surrounding trash? You know, make those encounters a little bit more intimate. Make them a little bit more meaningful. I think that that might be what I kind of want from Souls and maybe Bloodborne was going in that direction of like, less here's 13 enemies to fight in a row that are all really the same and more like, here's one or two hard-ass dudes. Have fun. Like, like, get through them. I'm, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a Souls guy, really, either. Uh, You're off the show, I, Mike. I, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, that's why I barely said a word during your whole Neo discussion. But I, I, I'm almost surprised that we haven't seen more games like Shadow of the Colossus over the years, where there's only 16 enemies, but they're all these dramatic, awesome, varied boss encounters. Sure, I, I'd, be, I'd be down for that. 
Yeah, w- yeah. Would you play a Souls game where there was maybe just say twenty enemies total, but they were all bosses that were awesome? <sighs> I-, I think it would have to be a very differently structured game. Uh, obviously, like you, you'd probably get rid of your loot system. You'd you'd have to make like a whole lot of changes. But the idea of encounters that are a little bit more impactful is really really important to me. Like I think that's that's one of the things we saw with Dark Souls Two, which was you know more bosses, but not necessarily better bosses. And I think that the the enemy design in Bloodborne to me is more special than what was in Dark Souls Three. Although having played Neo, I'm I'm much higher on Dark Souls Three now because it's like oh maybe maybe I did have too much of a good thing and I I kind of got mad about eating chocolate chip ice cream and then you made me eat asparagus and I had to remember how much I hate asparagus so like you know (laughs) maybe that's what happened there but I I think that the idea of make a game that's a little bit more focused on those intimate encounters and I I think Lords of the Fallen was trying to get there a little bit like those you don't really fight mobs of enemies in that game like that game had lots of problems but mobs of enemies was not the big deal. So, I don't know. I I hope Neo gets there. I think they have something special, but I would just really like it if they would focus on the strengths of their mechanics instead of kind of fitting it with fastidial things or making slapdash level design and encounters. Because some of those encounters just feel like crap. Like, it's it's not fun to be on top of a building, the roof caves in, and you land in front of three dudes who just get up and attack you and you die. Like that, that, like when the Souls games do that sort of thing, which is very rare, I call BS on that. And I think that's where, that's where this game is. Well, what did the director of this game call it? He called it a dying game. That, no, thank you. Yeah, that, that sounds like you, you listened to the marketing hype of Souls and didn't actually listen to what a Souls game actually is. And that's that's concerning. If this game is already throwing this much BS at me at the very start, can you imagine where they're going with it? Like, think about think about how like much BS there was in the Ninja Gaiden games. Like dudes that threw exploding shurikens at you from off screen. Like, I kind of shudder to think about what's waiting in the wings for this game. But you know, yeah. Well, to, to Mike's other point about like there haven't been many games like Shadow of the Colossus that really focus on um, sort of singular experiences is because that's harder to do from a design standpoint. Right? Sure, like, it takes takes more creativity and and it's easier to just throw a bunch of enemies at you so yeah it, it takes more craft to yeah it would take more craft to make each boss feel meaningful and if you didn't do enough of them they would the game would feel like too short it's uh, shadow of the colossus is a really special game it's one of my favorite ps2 games but and because of that challenge and the difficulty in designing a game like that i guess is why we haven't really seen much else like it yeah yeah so, yeah, uh, my preview's up on the site. I, I put a thing on our message board of, uh, you know, the Ren and Stimpy, no, sir, I didn't like it. And and I didn't like it, but it might end up getting there. It's definitely a game I want to see again in a couple months. I, I think that, you know, it takes a lot of chutzpah from a developer to release a game in an alpha state this close to E3. I, I You know, I'm impressed that they were able to do it. Let's see what the final version of the game is. Maybe maybe it ends up being my favorite game of the year, but, you know. It comes out and it just pops up on the screen, Dark Souls 4, Japan. J- Japan Souls. Makes me really want another Onimusha. I really want I think it. you did, you mentioned you on, other, po- on other podcasts how you love uh, setting low expectations and seeing them being exceeded. I, so I do. Maybe that's what, 
Yeah, that's your wish for this game, I guess. Uh, I think my expectations... Superman, and then they were destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I, I had lowered expectations for Batman v Superman, and it still smashed away my childhood. Okay, so that's that's Neo. Um, l- please look forward to it. I, I could see that game being delayed to 2017 in a good way. I, I don't mean that as like a... A problem. I mean, that is like, if the feedback on this game, if they actually are listening to it and they say, hey, maybe we should change some of this stuff, it could, you know, it could get there. Plus, I think 2016 is also kind of nuts right now as it is. Jam-packed, man. There's so much. I would push it back. I I would, honest to God, push this game back because I think it gets lost in the shuffle right now. Like, I don't think I want to be the game that's not Final Fantasy Persona 5 this year. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's I'm, why I'm okay with the NX being pushed back to next year. Like, please, by all means, I have enough going on. Yeah, there's too many games right now. Like, I, I was just looking at the release calendar and going, oh, dear God. So, yeah, Neo, cool. Um, briefly, I have a question about Rampa 2 for the people that have played it. Uh, I think that's Mike and uh, Derek. Is it just me, or maybe not so much in the second case for Danganronpa 2, but the the writing in the first case felt... I was getting really confused. I was was getting very confused with, like, what was going on in the case. I was missing some of the logic bumps. And then when the game explained its minigames to me, I did, like, an honest-to-God, hold on, what did you just say? Like... I feel very weird about Danganronpa 2 right now. It's starting to ramp up, and I'm, I'm getting into it again the way I got into 1. But I, I felt some real big logic holes when I was playing the first game. Like, at one point in the second uh, case, and this is maybe a little bit of a minor spoiler, but it's it's one of the first... Uh, like, as long as you don't mention who the killer is, I think. It's right. It's one of the first, like, truth bullet sections where the thing that you have... Ethel Beavis did it. No, you, you have to imply that the murder weapon was a swimsuit filled with gravel from a broken fish tank. Right. <laughs> I, I think I actually may have gotten a game over <laughs> during one of a section near there because I was supposed to click on the swimsuit... And I kept thinking that the murder weapon was like a part of the fish tank, or what was smashed the fish, right. what smashed the fish tank. And it's yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 uh, I basically agree with you in that there's some confusing leaps of logic, and just the cases are just more convoluted in general compared to the cases in Danganronpa One. So, uh, I, I, I still like Danganronpa Two more than One because I like the newer gameplay elements that they add. Like the, really, I, I, I like the, that racing thing that they do sometimes. I think they fixed the sections uh, the, the where you have to sort of collect letters. I thought those were done better, and I really like the manga like um, fill in the blank sections at the end of each of each case. Uh, okay, Let, let's talk specifically about that manga thing because it was funny that the uh-huh. game. It's funny that the game said if you played the original game, this is probably going to confuse you. Don't worry, you'll figure <laughs> it out. So, like, I I thought that you had to use each panel that they gave you in each set. No, so, no, they, they oh, change yeah. them up. Yeah. So I was completely bewildered at that point of just like. What in the world? Like, I, I don't... Uh, this None of these fit. What am I supposed to do? And, like, I failed that section, and then I tried it again, and I was like, let's go with the assumption that you don't have to use all of these. And it started working. But I found it very interesting that there was a tutorial tip of, you might have a hard time with this if you played the previous game. That, that was... 
it, was that an admission by the developers of, yeah, maybe we didn't explain this as well as we could have. That and the the cutting mini game, I still don't understand how that works. I I don't I don't get that. Like, am I just cutting every piece of line that they deliver until the one bit of logic, and then I use the ultimate? I don't know. I uh, sort of, but you try to have you know your slashes do as much damage as possible by having them at the appropriate angle. Uh, and that, that helps it a little. I'm only bit. using the wild. D. I'm only using the D-pad on those. Are we yeah, still well, talking I'm... about Danganronpa? Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, it it is really. We're talking about Neo again. No, we're talking about Danganronpa. Trust me. Uh, it's no, there's a there is a like samurai sword slashing mini game. um, in Danganronpa one, I think there was only maybe three mini games that you used to get pieces of evidence during the trial segments, and in Danganronpa two, there's five or six. Yeah, and um, I, part of why I like two better was because they they like made the rhythm games parts of it better, and they added more variety to the type of games you play. And I because I found those a little bit monotonous by the end of Danganronpa one. And but yeah, in general, the leaps of logic stuff and the cases getting more convoluted gets really strange. I thought it was um, I, the one part of Danganronpa two I really didn't like was the fourth case. Because the setting stinks, and I did not understand one or two of the spots I was supposed to click during the Truth Bullet segments. And I almost... I didn't really come close to rage quitting, but uh, that was when the game really hit a low point, even though it ends strong. Yeah, I kind of feel the way that I I felt when I played the first um, Ace Attorney. I wanted to bring this up because Steven's been yelling at me to play the full Ace Attorney trilogy, and I'm pretty close to buying it on 3DS to just do it. Yeah, that's because I'm a good friend. I know you are, and I really appreciate it. You have me do do good things. You are a positive enabler. But, like, um, in the first Ace Attorney, like, you could only make a few mistakes before, like, you ended up losing a case. And some of the leaps in logic in that game just made me say, okay... I'm going to approach this game like a book where I'm just going to keep a walkthrough over here and I'm going to try to figure out the logic on my own. But if it ever looks like I'm going to fail this game, no, screw that. I'm not dealing with well, it. Also, you could just, you should just make a save, like even the way I played, because the first one and the second one do do that. The third one's much better. Yeah. But like, it's, very much the case where just make a save and if you fail just load your save i know i know i i, but I, I definitely i popped a walk through open a, a couple of times when it was a particularly convoluted thing because again it's also part of the development of the story do, do we think that that's part translation or like i i guess i'm fascinated I, by it like in terms no, of is it a translation thing i i think i mean in my opinion because I've, I've i've played about half of three now in japanese um which three is obviously the best one in the original trilogy and the most refined in terms of like making things follow a set of logic that is re- comprehensible to the player. Uh, I think the, I, I think three is the best one in all seven Ace Attorney games. Okay. Yeah. So, keep going. Yes. Um, uh, but like, I, I don't, at least in the case of Ace Attorney, I can't really speak to Danganronpa. I think I, I find that the localization is quite tight because they, also revise a lot of the situations from Japanese to English. Like sometimes the the, the the particulars are a little bit different because of how heavily localized the game is. Um, so I I don't necessarily think so because it's still the same trigger you're always looking for, you know? 
Yeah. I I just wonder with Danganronpa, like, I, I felt like there was only one case in the first game where I got really screwed up. I think it might have been the second case, but then after that, I started to gain a lot of confidence, and maybe I was just thinking correctly, but, like, the first game just really did not make... I don't like the setting as much as the first game. Like, I, I don't like the Tropical Island setting. There, There's something... There's something lost with the real claustrophobia of the first game that I really liked. I like the characters. I think they're all, you know, stupid fun, and I, I like that in a very positive way. But something feels a little off with this game, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe the further I get into it, if I'm going to enjoy it as much. I, I'm kind of committed to it at this point, to finishing it. I've also started watching the anime of the first game, which is such a good thing for people that need a refresher in Danganronpa 1, but I wouldn't recommend it for people that haven't, like, played the game, because they do, like, just bulldoze through characters and events to the point where, like, the killer in the first case, I think, has, like, seven lines of dialogue in the entire series before he's convicted. So it's like, okay, I'm not emotionally invested in you at all, I guess we can just kill you. Like, it, it's weird. It's It's a cool series, and I'm excited to see where they go with the third one. Uh, and I'll probably have more to say as I finish up the second one, but it's it's interesting. Steven, I think you should give it another try, and I said that when I finished up Danganronpa 1. I, I felt the same thing you were feeling, and one point I will put in 2's favor is I think 2 has a much faster start. Like, compared... You know... Much faster. I'm sort of being a little hypocritical when I rail on Danganronpa for having a slow start that I didn't want to get through, because I think Phoenix Wright 1 and... um both 999 and VLR have really big info dumps at the beginning, so I'm essentially admitting to being unfair. Uh, I just really hate the art design in Danganronpa. At least, all right, let me rephrase that. That's that's not fair. When I start Danganronpa, it's like, look at all of our tropes! And then I'm like, yep, look, it's the fat guy who likes to eat. Wow, that's original. Oh, look, it's the beautiful woman who likes being beautiful. Um, and I, I know literally everyone has said that the game makes itself on subverting those tropes, but... I'm I'm terrible and haven't gotten past it yet. Well, um, I, I disagree with you in that uh, 999 and Phoenix Wright um, don't ha- like have the same problem because in all every Phoenix Wright game they throw you right into a trial at the beginning against Winston Payne, of course. Okay, yes, that's and, true. And, and, and in Matic, Phoenix Wright is awesome. So well, and, and in 999. <laughs> Yeah, and in nine nine nine, they throw you in a room that's filling up with water slowly right at the beginning. They they have they start they the game with, fla- ex- but the, so they do that. But then they do flashback during that puzzle to other stuff, and then you get into the hallway, and there's like an hour yeah. of like, what is this watch doing? Oh God, it's gonna blow up. Yeah, no, I, I mean there are lengthy info dumps at the beginning, but still, those games do begin with an exciting gameplay segment, and Danganronpa is all dialogue for like an hour and a half. Even yeah, though one, well, it, even though someone gets murdered in the first like hour of Danganronpa one, yeah, uh, but like you're, it's all dialogue and it's all your incredibly bland JRPG protagonist of like I'm an average dude. Everything about me is average. Here are all these people who aren't average. I've seen that yeah, in every. I, I'm not. Time. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just. I'm just. I, I think that Danganronpa gets worth it once you get into the action. For, for but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you to you know play two hours of a game that you won't like uh, if you're if that's a deal breaker for you. It, for point of reference, Danganronpa, the animation, it, the main character is voiced by Shinji Ikari, and I found that to be awesome. Like that, the the voice actor for Shinji from Neon Genesis is the voice actor for the main character. He's less whiny. Was acting in Evangelion, so. 
You've never what? Can't help you, Tom. Never heard the English voice acting for Evangelion. Oh no, no, no! It's oh. the Japanese voice actor. I'm watching it subtitled. Um, oh really? And I, I was going to watch a dub, but th- then I realized that they didn't have the same voice of Monokuma, and I was like, nope. Like, if you don't have the voice oh, of Monokuma oh. in the anime from the video game, I don't want to. I don't want to listen to it. Wait, are you watching it a, a dub or in Japanese? I'm watching the subtitled Japanese. Yeah, they had to change the voice actress for Monokuma because it's a a very very famous voice actress from in Japan who was the voice of Doraemon in the 80s or 70s even hmm. and, and she's and she's actually I think she's suffering from Alzheimer's or something. She can't uh, she can't work anymore. And and part part of why Danganronpa was a a surprise hit in Japan was because, you know, Doraemon, practically the Mickey Mouse of anime, was voicing this homicidal bear which is frankly hilarious and uh, but she can't work anymore and um she's not voicing Monokuma and Danganronpa 3 either. Well, I w- I was more speaking to the English voice actor for Monokuma who I think does a right, fantastic sure. job. Like he is so delightfully awful and when I when I fired up the anime today, I was like, "Oh, I'll listen to the dub if it's the same voice actor for Monokuma and it's not." All right, all right. My, yeah, I miss it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 very I, and I know that's so strange, but like I would have listened to the entire thing in English if it had Monokuma's voice actor cuz he's so ah, uh, he's just so awesome with all of his bear puns. And also, I lo- really love the music whenever uh, Monami comes on uh, stage. I don't know why. I like J-pop. It, it's it's one of my... Like, speaking about Bayonetta, again, that version of Fly Me to the Moon, I could listen to that all day in the car, and that's, like, my guilty pleasure. I think it's probably the reason why I liked Barbie Girl as a child, and I should really stop admitting this stuff on a podcast. <laughs> Are you a Barbie Girl rep? In a Barbie yeah, world. Worry about. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, do you? you know, I'm probably <laughs> asking the wrong crap here, but uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is a thing. Oh, uh, Jackie uh, watches that. I don't, but uh, I watch it every uh, week. What? RuPaul's Drag Race. It's a. Uh, I don't. I understand one of the words in that sense. <laughs> you don't know who RuPaul I don't like is? Cheap queens. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, no, it's. Uh, I was just gonna say Trixie Mattel is one of the drag queens that has been on that show, and she's one of my favorites. Super, super funny huge gamer um and Trixie Mattel's thing is like Barbie girl IRL kind of thing like ridiculous makeup that doesn't look like an actual person and which is why I love her so much okay sorry go on that's it I, I guess the only other thing I have to talk about is uh I beat Dragon Quest 4 on 3DS uh well the DS version of well, Dragon Quest 4 on my 3DS you beat it for 3DS have you done you this something for me go ahead Mike have you done the uh, this, the second ending that's new to the DS version? No, I don't think I'm going to. Honestly, I'm oh, just, dude. I, I'm probably not. I I was I kind of had my fill because the last uh, boss had like what seven forms and was kind of obnoxious to fight. So I I was kind of like okay, I'm I'm good. Like I got my fill because I feel like I played the original game, which is all that I was really looking for, and. I wanted to get into Danganronpa 2, so it was like, okay. But but is the is the second ending that worth it, Mike? Should I do it? I well, uh, Dragon Quest 4 was the f- my first Dragon Quest game on the NES ages ago when I thought it was Dragon Warrior 4, and uh, I didn't really understand um, how, how at the end how Zaro was uh, um it's I think it's Zaro now, but there used to be just Zaro on the NES. How he was sort of a tragic figure, and in the the post game of the DS version, um, you're allowed to sort of 
I uh, has, should I spoil it? Doesn't really matter. Uh, I I would just say that there's another ending that sure okay. yeah just to say that there's yeah. a, there's another ending with a different final boss that subverts the tragic part of the ending of the original game in a way that I thought was interesting. Plus, it gives you a new character to play with that's kind of overpowered and that's fun. And uh, but I, I I liked it as a fan of the old Dragon Quest four game that uh, and. Yeah, uh, I really like Dragon Quest, and when we got four Dragon Quest games in a row on DS, I was just, I was just bouncing up and down in my couch every time I was playing those. I was so happy. Yeah. I, I really liked playing it, and uh, I really want to play five now because I was able to pick that up. Uh, I, I I don't know how it yeah. happened, but like Amazon had like all of a sudden all of the Dragon Quest games on 3DS again. Well, no, um, regular DS. Not yeah, 3DS. I, I keep saying 3DS. I'm sorry. Yeah, but um, uh, they think, they must have um, they must have found like a shipment that just had never no, been no, like they, put they out. They did. Um, basically, I think that DS's DS games are sort of ending their production run totally. So there's a lot of games that used to be hard to find that are now suddenly on sale for 15 or 20 bucks. I just got copies of um, Four Heroes of Light and Nostalgia for ten dollars each because people are they're just clearing hey, inventory nostalgia. on DS games. Yeah, Only nostalgia wasn't bad. Well, uh, look, I'm still curious. I'm nostalgia curious. But anyway, uh, I think if you go on to Square Enix's main site, they sell each of the DS ones for 15 or for I think it's 20 now. Even though their shipping will probably bring it up to 90. Uh, but yeah, I mean those those remakes on DS are really good. They increase the party size in Dra- Dragon Quest V from three to four, which sounds like not a big deal, but it's a huge deal. And uh, it's the first time that non-Japanese are allowed to play 5 and 6 legally, and they're all really good games. 5 is my favorite. Whatever, play them if you can. They're good, yeah. I, I'm i really enjoying 4. Uh, I wanted and to take a what? little break, but it was good. Derek? Rob, Rob I, I admit that I was wrong, because I think that based on the fact that you have beaten Dragon Quest 4, you do want Dragon Quest 7 on 3DS. You're damn right I do. I am ex- I just giving you hell for nothing. I am really excited for Dragon Quest 7. Um, I, I just I find those games so charming with the enemy designs and all the puns. And, and, uh, and like the stories are simple, but they're like cute little fairy tales. Yeah. Instead of instead of convoluted weird sci-fi stories, and even though the gameplay is simple and the story is simple, it's it's all really sort of clean and uh, and fun. And uh, I would say it's uh, I like them all. Big part of yeah. It. I, I think yeah, they, they have a, they have a genuine spirit to them that I just always like. I'm, my prediction, uh, having played a little bit of Dragon Quest Seven on 3DS, is that we are going to be making the exact same comments about that that we made about Xenoblade on 3DS, because boy, is it ugly on 3DS. Is it really? Yeah, it's the the draw distance is way lower. The textures are terrible. Well, I mean, um, like it's not like it's it's certainly. Dragon you mean Quest eight? On 3DS. You mean eight? Oh, oh, yes, eight. Sorry, okay, sorry, okay, because 3DS uh, seven was made for the 3DS after the PlayStation One version. Right, but... right, yeah, no, no, sorry, wrong one. I okay, use those two. Well, now I'm but upset because I was looking be right about that. I agree. The three... I've seen screenshots of that, and it doesn't look good. Like you know, well, the, three, the 3DS version of eight. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, man. Sorry. For me, no, it's okay. Uh, for me, I would rather play eight on my 3DS because it's mobile. Um, that's about it. Unless I'm... they release it on PlayStation Four. Well, that would be cool, but they, I mean, the 3DS version adds two playable characters and two weapon types, and mm. a bunch of more monsters for that quest, and it, like, it adds a bunch of s- stupid side stuff that you'd expect them to add, add to a remake, 
And because I only played 8 once, like, over a decade ago, and really liked it, if, like, 8 coming out on the 3DS with extra stuff 12 or 13 years later sounds like something I want to do, surprisingly. Yeah, but, uh, I could play it again. I could play it again. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little... I, I was saying this when we were uh, getting ready to record, but, like, playing Dragon Quest Four on the 3DS was, like... I really like playing a JRPG where there's a lot of grinding on the go, like mobile, like putting something on in the background. Like I, I was watching Dragon Ball Z abridged while I was playing Dragon Quest Four, And like if, if Digital Devil Saga, for example, came out on the Vita, I would probably sit down and play it more readily than I would like unpacking my PlayStation 2, hooking it up to the TV, sitting down in front of the TV and grind. Like, there's something about, like, grinding in a JRPG that I'm not opposed to, but I'd rather have it mobile for whatever yeah. reason. I can't... Maybe it's because I can well, close it. Maybe it's because I can, like, walk away from it and right. I don't have to completely refire the game up. Yeah, grinding is the kind of thing that's more palatable when you can do it in shorter bursts and or while you're multitasking, and I think a portable system is the perfect platform for that because like you said you can just put it in sleep mode if you need to walk away i, I mean i've that's, been that's a large part of why i was able to grind so readily and bravely second is just because like this is mobile also that game has awesome auto battle features uh, yeah, it does yeah. i mean bravely second and dragon quest games and for me the king of them all is probably the disgaea games uh those are my podcast games you throw in yeah. a podcast put the game on silent do whatever walk around your house sit wherever you want and just grind a few meaningless levels while you concentrate on what you know, Mark Marin or Rob Steinman is saying. Oh God, oh, that that Rob Steinman kid. Uh, yeah, and, and it, you know, I would probably, and I think this is why I'm so excited to play uh, the new version uh, SMT4 Apocalypse when it comes out, is because I had a ball with SMT4. Like that was just sitting on my couch playing the crap out of that game like okay time to walk the dog I just close the 3ds real quick take the dog for a walk come back pop it back open like there was something about like trying to play digital devil saga of like i gotta turn on my playstation 2 i've gotta wait for it to load i've gotta start grinding again and i know how stupid that sounds but i'm telling the young people who are listening to this podcast when you start getting older and time becomes a premium that will actually affect your gaming habits like just waiting for like menus to load correctly and like okay I actually want to play this game right now like I've got 15 minutes before Jackie gets home I could like play a little bit of Dragon Quest 4 or I could wait for like 5 minutes for Dark Souls 3 to load I'm probably going to play Dragon Quest 4 and like hey you know she she wants to go work on something for a little bit pop open the 3DS again like there's just uh, the mobile platform is so good for JRPGs and it's actually making me like think maybe I end up getting Dragon Quest XI on the 3DS. Even though the the PlayStation 4 version is going to be absolutely gorgeous, it's like, do I want that portability? I probably end up buying both, because I'm an idiot. Um, I'm going to get both. I probably will too. I really, I really like Dragon Quest, and I, I also think that I was spoiled because Dragon Quest Eight was my first Dragon Quest, and that is probably one of the best games I've ever played. That that game is just so phenomenal. Although in terms of mechanics, can they get rid of the bag system for individual characters? I hate that. I hate screwing around with individual characters' inventories. Just stop that. It's stupid. Stupid. I think I would have really liked Nine if I had had people to play it with. I think I yeah. really would have liked that one. Yeah, I had a great experience playing that multiplayer with some some friends, um, but we never got past, I'd say, like a quarter of the game because um, we would just mess around grinding, and that, it was it was fantastic. But for some reason, like the group shattered, and then 
I just never touched the game again. Was that just... Um, I couldn't bring I couldn't bring myself to do it solo. Was that just local multiplayer or could you play like on like uh, you could do you could do online with the DS Wi-Fi connection thing but that that's now defunct though so you can't Oh that's oh man cuz yeah. cuz I think that was like at the point where I realized Stephen lived like in South Carolina with me because I was an idiot and didn't put two and two together and that was like the last summer before I moved and I would have like really liked to have played that with someone like I don't you know. nine? Yeah, 9. Yeah. Yeah, that might have been. A, I I was like the one person ever who liked nine, and I think it might have been because it wasn't like the other ones. Uh, but the co-op, I really liked. I, I wish I had gotten to play it because I liked the game as it played, but not having any real characters was kind of a bummer for me. But yeah, I, again, if you're playing with people, it's it's the Diablo effect where if I'm playing this with other people, it suddenly gets a hell of a lot more fun. Just like uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, I think. Is Just like Monster Hunter. Game. Yeah, well... But, yeah. Monster Hunter is never fun. What are you talking about? I sunk hundreds of hours into a couple of the PSP Monster Hunter games. And I loved playing them with my best bud. And it hated playing them solo. It's po- Monster Hunter is like pulling teeth solo. <laughs> and I, I played I played through Dragon Quest Nine mostly alone and got really really far. I beat the story and did a couple of the legacy bosses, but I never want to play that game again. I'm basically done with Dragon Quest Nine. Bring on Eleven. Bring on the Seven remake. Cool. All right, Derek, you got uh, Severed to talk to us about. Uh, is that the game from the guys who made Guacamelee? Correct. It is. Okay. It has it has a, a similar art style in that it's that cartoony i don't know what engine it's in uh is it unity i have no idea but it's the it's uh, sort of mexican inspired and i don't that may be too broad i want to say it's like south american inspired because i don't know exactly what culture it's drawing from but uh yeah so this is severed is a first person dungeon crawler actually and i wasn't sure exactly what kind of game it was back when i had first heard about it uh, until I did some research and it's like, okay, so this is actually an, it's an RPG. So you're playing as this girl, the game drops you in without any lead up whatsoever. Suddenly you're, you're standing in this first person view and you're this girl whose arm has been cut off and you wander into this house that it appears to be your house, like maybe transported to another dimension or something. Um, it's, all, it's kind of like a hellish nightmare scape. Um, you look in the mirror and you're like, uh, I have one less arm. That's not good. So there's this demon that's like, that shows up and basically tells you if you can find all of your missing family members who have been kidnapped, then maybe you can go home. So you are given the sword and you start your adventure. From what I've heard, this is a pretty brief game, but the, the gist of it is you're trying to rescue your three missing family members, your mom, your dad, and your brother. And you do so by traversing dungeons in first person and fighting monsters using the touch screen to actually slice them. And this is a comparison that's probably going to make some people cringe, but if you imagine Fruit Ninja, if you've ever played that, it's just like that kind of combat in that you're slashing enemies in such a way that you have to make sure you're slicing them correctly. Like, there will be enemies with um, limbs that you have to hit from certain angles to be able to do damage. And the hook of this game is when you fight enemies, if you combo well, you have a focus meter that builds. Once that focus meter hits max you can cut enemies' limbs off when they die. And you actually use those limbs... You mean limbs. you can sever those limbs? Ha-ha! Yes. Ah, that's, why we keep the the, that's why we keep and the then, attorney and around. Then you, 
And then you attach them to your to your stump and use to their your, powers? Yeah, you graft them onto your bloody stump. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. The, the standard enemies, you actually... The things that you cut off of them, sever from them, are used as upgrade materials. It has, like, an upgrade, a skill tree that you can pump points into to do things like make the window for severing limbs longer because it's pretty brief. Um, or just do more damage if you do a longer swing. Like, if you swipe your finger a further distance, it does more damage. That kind of stuff. Upgrade health. Uh, are you playing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you playing this on an iPad or is it a 3ds? It's, Wii a, U? Oh, it's a Vita game. Sorry if I didn't say. Oh, that. okay. This is a Vita exclusive only for Vita. Oh, weird. So right, it's like those exist. So yeah. So as you progress through the game, it has shades of Mega Man, and that whenever you defeat a boss, you get some part of them that you put on your body and use as a new power up. So the first boss that you defeat, you get like a mask of the crow or mask of the bird or something like that. Um, that lets you do a blind spell that will temporarily it freezes. It's called blind, but it like it freezes enemies. Uh, so if you're having a hard time killing one to see its weak spot, it'll freeze it temporarily. And it also opens certain passages with like this eye icon on it. Um, and I forgot to mention that in battle, so battles everything's first person. Battles are as well, obviously, because you have to slice the enemies and the it takes on a slightly puzzly uh, angle because when you're in battle, you'll get surrounded by enemies and you have to move your perspective between the enemies uh, and, and attack them before they wind up for attacks because the flow of battle is you're either attacking them or you're dealing with them. Uh, you're parrying their attacks and counterattacking. So they'll have tells like you'll see an enemy's arm turn red. It'll turn red and then he'll swipe from the right. So you have to swipe against it to deflect his attack and then you can start hitting them yourself and, you can't see it but i'm like wildly gesticulating with my fingers okay is this like an active time thing where uh yeah. the okay so there's it's not really turn-based you have to just keep checking and keep checking every enemy to yeah it's totally it's okay 100 real time just think fruit ninja but with monsters uh and stats but as lame of a premise as that sounds huh. it actually works super well um i think it's a really cool game it's a very novel concept and like i said i've, I've heard it's pretty short because I'm already, like, just under halfway through the game, and I've only put, like, two hours into it. Hmm. Two and a half, maybe. Um, it's it's one of those cool micro-experiences that seems like it is created specifically for this console. And while it could work on another touch device, I think it just, it's super well-realized on this on the system. Um, if I have a complaint, it's that, you know, it's pretty repetitive, all things considered, because there aren't, a ton of enemy types like you'll encounter more enemies as you progress through the game but the first dungeon is pretty long uh, it probably took me hour and a half to get through um it's it, you think zelda and that it has um several floors with you have to get keys to open doors and flip switches and stuff to get through uh, all in first person though and in that dungeon there are like three enemy types um uh, but battles are not random you can see enemies on the map there are specific encounters, and once you kill them, they do not come back. So, um, at least if you forget something or trying to find a, a mechanic in the dungeon that you missed, you can go back and do that without having to constantly go into, into random encounters. Um, yeah, I think it's a pretty cool game. It's 15 bucks on the store right now. If you have PS Plus, I don't know how long the sale is. I, th- I want to say it's for the first week. It's 10% off, so $13.49. Uh, yeah, I it's a cool game. I, I didn't hear a ton about it before it came out, maybe until like a few weeks before. Uh, I picked it up right at launch, and I'm enjoying it. It's it's also refreshing to have such a unique setting 
because like I said, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a strange, I'd say nightmare scape is the thing that keeps coming to mind. And it's neat to have a game with a, a South American influence that's consistent throughout all of the enemy and character designs. It's not your standard Western fantasy elves, dragons kind of fair. It's, it's sort of grotesque. Um, I wish I could think of the adjectives I'm looking for to describe this. Like I, I, the, the overall aesthetic is very unique in the gaming space. So it comes, uh, comes recommended. It's a cool game. I, I really liked Guacamele and I do have a Vita and like I, and I even have a couple other Vita exclusive games. So I'm, I am interested in this. Like Guacamele was a really neat little sort of art deco day of the dead, uh, Castle Metroid game, Castlevania Troid, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. So th- yeah, this seems this seems cool. I I might drop fifteen on it and or maybe wait for it to go on sale. But yeah, no, I'm, I'll take your recommendation, Derek. Thanks. Yeah, check it out. It's not a perfect game. Like I said, it can be repetitive, but uh, for what it's doing, it works very well. If I, I I guess one other complaint I have is that it can get kind of tiring to hold the system. Because um, you're moving around the dungeon with the control stick or the pad, and then when you get into a fight, you need to use the touchscreen. So I found myself shifting the system kind of into my left hand because I'm, I'm right-handed. So I shifted into my left hand to put all the weight in my left hand, and then use my right to swipe on the touchscreen, which doesn't seem like it's a big deal. It's intuitive. It's just it gets kind of tiring if you're holding it up. So I would recommend having a table to play this on so that you can set it down and not have to hurt your wrist. Does anybody well, else not a baby? Uh, does anybody else like that your hands start to hurt when you use the Vita for long periods of time? I find like it's I kind have of a heavy system, yeah, because I, I have the original Vita. Yeah, I have a hard time like figuring out hand placement. Like I think when I'm when I'm like sitting on my back on the couch, like and I'm kind of holding it upward is when it's at its best. But I find that like if I try to sit in a chair and like angle my hands down, like I end up losing feeling in one of my hands, and it's very uncomfortable. I I don't know. I I had that problem with my PSP. I don't have a Vita. But in Japan, I found like this little. It's it's like a thing that snaps onto your PSP and makes it shaped like a PS3 or PS4 controller. Mm. And it, oh, a grip, yeah. I, yeah, and I used to get strain in my wrist all the time playing it, and it, it's great. And it has an extra battery. Ooh. And, like, plug it in. It's great. Might look for a Vita grip then. Well, Jesse, you've been quiet for a long time, and I, I've heard you just squeal with delight about uh, the Banner Saga for the better part of, what, two years now, and how I haven't played that, and Steven's been yelling at me to play it. And <laughs> So you have the Banner Saga, too. Tell us, is it is it everything you could have hoped for? Uh, I do have the Banner Saga. you could have hoped for, because that directly affects me. <laughs> I do have the Banner Saga, too. I enjoyed it. I, I don't want to say that I'm quite disappointed. Oh, no. Having like, I got really into it. I I got sucked in and played through it in a uh, like less than a week, which given how much other stuff I got going on was like probably not the smartest thing. But um, so it's very engaging. But looking back on it, I there it, it's like starting to show some issues. I guess I don't know. I there the problems that people raised about the combat that previously I kind of didn't, I kind of waved them away, it didn't really bother me, are starting to to rear their head because really combat is still just you knock down armor and then go after health. Right, and it's 
it's a fun system, but that's there's not a whole lot more to it. They've added some little things like there are now barriers on the battlefield. Uh, there are a few more enemy types. Um, but I was kind of disappointed because they were promising a lot when I talked to them, you know, at uh, PAX. Like they were they were making a lot of promises about how the combat's gonna be more gonna be there's gonna be more variety, there's gonna be more depth. I mean there are new units, but ultimately you can just rely on your Varl to knock out armor and then knock out health. Um, but the story is very interesting. It's they do a lot more world building. Um, and you kind of they they don't tell you fully what's going on, like why the world is breaking, but they they start to hint heavily at it. Um, and so for that reason alone, I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to the third one. They were setting this up to, to be a trilogy, right? Yes. Okay. So this is the this is the dark middle chapter. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Do you think maybe like you knew how to play the game so well that at this point there there wasn't like anything that it could do to surprise you? Like were you kind of looking for new mechanics to keep it fresh? Yeah, that's probably what a, that's a big part of it. And also I carried over one of my my save files from before, and so I had you know all of my beefy characters with all of these great items on them um and so i really didn't have any trouble with the combat aside from a a couple of fights that i felt were kind of cheap um but you know not everyone's gonna have that that for me i think the first one actually i really liked the back and forth of knocking armor down knocking health down i thought it actually made for a pretty elegant system I did find that particularly before they patched it, the final boss in the first one was a little excessive, like in terms of like an insane difficulty spike. Um, I'm I'm curious to play because I definitely can see where you're coming from in that the combat, even with the introduction of like barricades and stuff, could end up being a little simple over the course of three games. Um, I guess for me, that series, like I've always liked the combat and felt like it tied in well, but for me, what I'm most curious about is the, the the character level of the story, particularly in regards to the decision you make at the end of the first game, and how much that impacts you know the second game, um, and sort of like you know the first one. If I were, like one of the best parts of the first one for me was that choice you make mid-game to let those people into your caravan, and if you like, it's framed as the good choice. But if you do it, it's almost guaranteed that one of your characters is going to get murdered by a bandit. Um, and I really like that sort of like, it challenges you in that, like you made what seemed like a good decision and it's not, and like, it was a good decision, but it had consequences. It's, it's not the white and black of mass effect of, do you murder the kitten or do you feed it treats? Right. Um, Right. And I, I found that really compelling about the first game. How does the, the caravan type stuff, the, the Oregon trail type stuff play out in this one? It's good. I enjoyed it, and it the the choice that you make at the end of the game. I'm not sure. I probably shouldn't spoil too much, but um, I'll say that I I started out loading my game and playing as Rook leading the caravan, mm-hmm. 
And that was sort of a like a similar theme. You know, it's like he's struggling with the burden of leadership and how to keep all these people alive and blah, blah, blah. Um, but you can actually then I started a second playthrough and am playing as Alette now. And who's his daughter. And so she is struggling with like, how do you how can a young girl lead in this patriarchal society right where people are looking to her for leadership because because of of her father basically and so she now has to prove herself um and that's that's shaping up i haven't gotten too far into it but it's shaping up to be um more compelling more interesting i think um, do you find that it so it you would say that the we'll call it the character you start with that frames the narrative pretty heavily. Like, does it feel like it's a significantly different kind of story or is it? It seems to. Yeah. Which hmm. is a, a nice surprise. I was expecting it to just be, you know, the same decision trees, but with a different character portrait. But so far it doesn't, you know, people react to your character differently. Like there's a guy who's, who's basically the former governor of, Borsgard with the city that got sacked and he's he's a complete dick to Rook right because he's like oh you're just some commoner like why should I look to you to lead when I was the governor of a city um, but then when he meets Alette he's trying to be you know he's trying to be charming he's trying to like get presumably you know like get in her pants or you know kind of win her over and he's approaching her in a much different way than he's than he approached Rook. That's interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to trying it. I, I had briefly considered reviewing it for the site, but I think you uh, mostly just because I love the first one. Uh, but I think uh, it sounds like we probably had pretty similar thoughts about the first one. So I'm I'm excited to try this one. I I could see how it could feel. So when you say not necessarily disappointing, um, I definitely get where you're coming from with the combat. So do you feel like when you finished the game, did it have middle chapter syndrome of like not a very distinct beginning or end? Or does it does it end in a spot? Like I feel like the first one ends in a very good moment where they have told an, a complete arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if you agree with that per se, but... Uh, no, I think you're right. I think it does have a good ending actually and part of that is because the caravan again splits um so you you also end up following the leader of a mercenary band and that's kind of interesting because you know you're this you're this mercenary leader who's leading out this this band that has a reputation for being ruthless and rough and tumble and my my normal inclination is to be the good guy right to like help everyone out but then as i'm playing i'm like well this this isn't consistent with this character so maybe i should make different choices maybe i should try and be more of a jerk to people um and it's actually that other that other split in the caravan that gives you a lot of the story exposition about what's going on with the world why everything's all screwed up And I'm, I don't want to be too spoily, but do you get to keep Avend if he's, a, if, is he, is he still there? 
He's there. He's right, very good. important to the story. Cool, because calling lightning down with him was awesome. Yes. And you get to meet more menders. There's more types of allies that do some pretty interesting things. Still not as good as just, you know, crushing everything with your barrel, but you know, there's some there's some there's some good stuff in there. It's just that combat is is basically the same as in the first one. So if if you can get through that, or if you like that, then it's not a problem. Huh. Well, I definitely uh, personally, I think Rob would love it. Um, I I've been bugging you to play it for a while because I know you like it. I know. Well, uh, you've been you've been bugging me to play SMT Overclocked, and I've I have downloaded that to my 3DS, and I'm going to give it a try. So I'm going to play that probably first, and then the Banner Saga. That game is great. There are eight <laughs> endings. Uh, oh, good lord! <laughs> they're like distinctly different it's like you know it's like in Shin Megami Tensei where you choose a reason so it's oh, like, yeah. you, know, you probably won't want to go get the ending where you become a nihilist and want to punch God in the face or maybe you will who knows that sounds like me it does sound like you yeah, uh, yeah I gotta remember how much I liked Ava as a kid still I do actually I think Rob I based on what conversations we've had about mechanics I think you would like the battle system in Banner Saga because it doesn't pull any like we're going to throw something that totally breaks the, the system. And as a result, I, I agree with Jesse that I think sometimes it can feel limiting. Yeah. I think you like that the game never attempts to take the mechanics to an extreme. It's always a very like back and forth of like, yep, you damage the armor, then you damage the health. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of strategy within that. Um, I think when we talked about it back in the day, I may have actually compared it to chess because I think it's a very elegant system and I didn't get tired of it. Um, but there's never, other than the final boss, which was patched to be easier, there's never a situation where the game is like, all the things that you've done before suddenly don't work. Or, or doesn't have a giant tank that shows up and then a Valkyria woman that starts shooting lasers at me and it's like, wow, this oh. is this is a very different game than I've just been playing and I'm dead. Oh. <laughs> well, you get to the final boss. Yeah, see that. Uh, speaking of Valkyrie, uh, they also they balance the final boss. So I, I have Valkyrie Chronicles uh, on my PC, and every time I look at it, I'm like, "Oh, I want to play this again." And then I think back to that fight, and I'm just like, "No, no, I I think I shook a house damn near to its foundation with the rage that came off of me during one of those fights." Like, I, I don't know if I should do that again. I, I mean, I nearly passed out. I got so mad. Like that. That's not healthy. That's that's not good. That that shouldn't be happening. But you've been playing Valkyria Chronicles three, haven't you, Jesse? I have, yeah. And uh, it's you know it, it was Japan only. I so uh, disclaimer: I am not endorsing piracy. But I, I I bought the game. But in order to play it in the U.S., you need to hack your your PSP or your Vita, which is technically a violation of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. But, uh, Thank you, you know, attorney at law. <laughs> yeah, hopefully the FBI doesn't come knocking. Oh door. my god! Um, but it's you know it's it's a pretty easy process to do, and you should definitely uh, if you're into Valkyria Chronicles and you appreciated the way that it translated to PSP in Valkyria Chronicles Two, um, it works the same. It works just as well, and you, they. You're not dealing with the like high school kind of 
you know, school days stuff. I don't know why they did that in the second game. Yeah, there's a lot of high school RPGs nowadays, and like Trails of Cold Steel does it well, but Valkyria Chronicles Two did not. Well, I, it's it's I, it's the Persona effect that that became the most popular thing, and suddenly everybody had to do it. Yep. Well, that's been a trope in Japanese entertainment for a long. Oh, sure, 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 sure. And I mean, I mean, you could almost help blame Harry Potter on that or whatever. But anyway, the changes in the in gameplay from one to two, and the and the school setting, I didn't think did uh, any Valkyria Chronicles two any favors. But uh, Jesse, before you continue, um, most PSPs are region free, so um, you're only talking about uh, hacking it or cracking it just to play with a patch, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. I, I cracked it so I could. There's a fan made English translation, which is okay. Decent. You can tell there are some some areas that like, you know, they were they were too literal or or whatever whatever. But sure. Fans are always too literal. Yeah. Fans. I was are... able to I was able to play Monster Hunter Portable Three on my PSP just fine with an import copy. But yeah, I never tried to patch that. So go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, if your Japanese is good enough, then then go for it. But I haven't used Japanese in like six years, so um, yeah, me neither. Yeah, <laughs> but it's we, it's fun. I mean, it's it would have been better. I wish it would have been on, you know, the PS3. I guess it was a PS3 era game, um, because that would have been like a true. Valkyria experience, whatever that means. Yeah. And not well, a what's, what's the story set up for this one? Because uh, the first one, you're this small company in the war, and the second one, you're in this military academy after the first war. What's the story set up for yeah. Valkyria 3? So the story is that you are uh, like the valedictorian graduate of your military academy. You're this sort of, you're not quite a hotshot, but you're like, you're a rising star in the military, and you sort of through happenstance get you like kind of touch you like dip your toe in some other conspiracy that's going on like some you might have witnessed something bad happening so the upper brass knocks you down to this penal squad called the nameless and it's just a squad where you know everyone is stripped of their rank and their name and they're sent on like suicide missions because they're seen as disposable um and you know the characters are very you know the the writing is not great and i don't think it's just the translation the characters (laughs) so far have all fallen into very familiar buckets and here's the Sundari bucket and here's yeah. the serious guy that is a loner bucket. Yeah. I'm, f- I'm familiar with these buckets. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm not loving that part, but it, I'm still pretty early on. So I'm hoping they, they can do something with that. And if if not, then I'll just play it for the the gameplay. You know, the, the more Valkyria Chronicles, which is what I want. Are you excited for the Azure Revolution, whatever that Valkyria thing that they're working on right now? 
Yeah, that thing, lo- that thing looks pretty as hell, but it does not look like Valkyria Chronicles. See, they, okay, okay. So th- this is the thing. When when I first saw the video for that game, and I was the guy going, "Whoa, I don't know what the hell this thing is." And there was a lot of like, oh, Rob, come on. It's, it, it's going to be amazing. And that is, again, it might be a very good Dynasty Warriors slash Final Fantasy 15 ish type game, but that game is not Valkyria Chronicles. Like it, it, it's not. Maybe yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, part of my fair. association. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I say to be fair, it's not called Valkyria Chronicles. No, it's not. I mean, it, this would be like you know, with Crystal Chronicles with Final Fantasy. Like, it's got the the Valkyria. Yeah, it's got the it's the same. It's like Divinity Original Sin versus Divine Divinity or Beyond Divinity. Right, a different style of game that's calling to that same universe. But I don't think that... Hyper-colored fluorescent lights. I, I just think that when people were really excited for a new game in this... Is is it fair to say franchise? Is that fair to say? And I'm not being facetious. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm saying, like, the Valkyria franchise, people were really excited for a new game, and it feels like Sega... The point was right in front of them, and they threw a dart across the room and hit something else, which maybe is going okay, to be right. really cool... But You're telling me that Sega has an existing RPG franchise that people <laughs> love, and so they decided to make a sequel that's nothing like the previous ones. Okay, my heart they won't release. Never done that before. <laughs> I'm just look, Rob. Sega I hates you, and you need to accept it. Okay, they hate you, and they hate me. I love them as a kid, and they, they hate my love. So, so Sega hates me, and Team Ninja hates me. Who who loves me besides you know Nintendo bringing me more Dragon Quest software? I'm pretty sure that <laughs> just says him underneath it. Well, well, I, and also, you know, we as we slowly shift into news quickly here. I, I I thought it was really cool that Miyazaki-san came out and said, "We have no plans to make another Dark Souls game. We're already working on a new IP." And that was like, in terms of things that I want, in terms of things that I want to hear, it's right up there with you know, hey, I found a million dollars. Like it's like. I want you guys to work on something different. I think Dark Souls 3 was a very competent, fun Souls game, but it's, you know, the embers have faded. It's time to try something new. And oh, hearing... I get that. That's a reference. I know. See what I did there? It's poetic. Um, but you think... So, not that I don't trust them, but FromSoft made a series of terrible games. I know. Like two uh, decades before Dark Souls. Do you think they will switch back to making bad games again? I thought you Would liked you- Kingsfield. I do like Kingsfield. Oh, wow, they did make that. I think... Yeah, I and they, they, also, they also made 3D.Game Heroes, which I really like. Uh, I, I liked I liked 3D.Dot a lot. And they made Armory yeah. Core through 500, so I suppose... All right, never mind. I take that back. <laughs> Sorry for shooting your statement full of... Well, holes. well, I, I didn't really... I, I didn't really like the... I didn't like the Armored Core games that much. I felt like they were better ideas than games. Like, I, I want a big, giant mecha. Also, I'm the idiot that would buy a $200 Steel Battalion right now if you came out with a controller that was that ridiculous again. Like, I would do it in a heartbeat, just because I'm a moron. And this is why people... This is why morons should not have disposable income. But, like, I think that we're probably going to get something that is a dark-ish fantasy title. I think that's what Miyazaki-san makes. I don't think this game is this next game is going to be filled with puppies and kittens, but I think he will go for a tonal shift. I think that with Bloodborne, we saw a very different style of game that some people really gravitated to. Hi, how you doing? And other people didn't. But I think that all the new that we've been looking for, they were stretching their legs out a little bit with that game, and let's see what they do. 
I am much more confident in them trying something new because I don't, I don't think they have anything new with the Souls franchise at this point. I mean, Dark Souls 3 is completely competent and I had a good time with it, but it it is very safe. It is another one of those games. It's like after you've played Streets of Rage 1 and 2, Streets of Rage 3, you know what you're going to get, which is a boxing kangaroo. And that was really fun back in the day, but it's time for something new. Am I the only one that played Streets of Rage 3? I was expecting some kind of reaction no, there. Funny. I actually no, played I played Streets of Rage, Rage 3, but I played as the electric man. <laughs> oh, nice. I just Do- played Streets of Rage 2 a couple of nights ago. Dr. Zim. Oh, boy. So, yeah, oh, I, I, I'm really excited for that news. Um, you know, we've already talked about uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse. And Steven, Which when, is being published by Sega so to prove that they don't hate you still. Okay, well, the Atlas branch well, loves they me. They do, yeah. but that's only because... They have to. I, I, yeah, exactly. I know. I know. I, I just wanted to poke him. I know. I know. Sega hates you very much. Well, and Steven, you were saying that uh, you felt like 4 uh, Apocalypse was kind of addressing some of your problems with the original version of 4. Like, you, you kind of felt like it was a little bit uh, task and mobile phone designed heavy. I don't want to put yes. words in your mouth. I personally like, felt like SMT4 was very checklist task heavy like i felt like three unfolded very organically and it could at times be obtuse but that's part of that series like being being opaque as to what you should be doing at times is part of that series it's not digital diddle saga or the very heavily linear persona um and it's not that i think smt4 was this terrible catastrophe of a game the combat system was great um, and then the music was awesome, but I do feel like it felt very cheap and prosaic compared to it. I, it felt very safe. Like huh. Persona 4 felt like to me an expansion of what worked in Persona 3. SMT 4 felt like they just took what worked and then decided to throw in mobile game stuff to fill in the rest. See, I, I really ignored all the checklist stuff in 4. Like I didn't find that fulfilling, so I just focused on the main track and... I really, really enjoyed 4. I mean, Nocturne did not grab me at all when I played it, but, you know, maybe that was just wrong place, wrong time, but for whatever reason, 4 really, really got me. I, should I try Strange? I, I, I definitely agree. 4 is, is four as a game to play is much easier to progress through and not have to constantly be reading guides. Did you just say that I like easy games? Did you just backhand me there a little bit? No, I said it's not obtuse. <laughs> I, I remember... It's the difference between Fantasy Star 1 and four. Fantasy 6. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Rob Stevens is saying that he thinks you're cute. Uh, I know. Um, I, I, I still own Strange Journey, and I love the setting of Strange Journey, but I just I hate the dungeon crawler. I really don't like first-person dungeon design. I really, really don't. And that game really turned me off. That game is also stupid hard when you first start it. Like, oh my yeah, god. Like yeah, I, know, I couldn't make it past the second hour of that game. It's like, nope, this is this game's going to make me furious. That game just curb stomps you at the start. Like, whew. The, the music and uh, obviously, I, of course, I'm commenting on this. The music in Apocalypse is fantastic. Um... It's it's the four is very like industrial metal type type music. It, it's sort of a fusion of SMT three with this new flavor. I feel like whereas Apocalypse is very classic SMT, like really nasty guitars and like very dark, grim, muddy sounds. Um, and it creates a really cool vibe um, in that game that I don't think four had. Four felt a lot because of the derpy art design of the characters. I hate the art design in four for the characters. They just look so 
not as cool as Kaneko's designs. Um, are, are, are both of those games Meguro soundtracks, or is it other guys in the Atlas Sound team? Uh, other guys in the Atlas Sound team for four, and then I think it's one of them for Apocalypse. I can't remember exactly, but it's not Meguro. I, okay. He might have oh, okay. A it's, few tracks. Um, it's Ryota Koduka. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes. Um, and then I think Apocalypse is Koduka, and then uh, several other folks from the crew. Right. I'm but looking. It, it's very Apocalypse is clearly designed with their 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 mentality was let's make one that's like the old ones. Hmm. I, I could listen. Thank you. I, I could listen to the Tokyo Battle music from SMT4 all day, every day. Like I just, I love that. Mm. Yeah. If you like that, listen to the uh, the Polytheist Alliance battle theme from Apocalypse. So yes. Okay. Yes. Link that to me because I can't spell that. Uh, I'm a physics teacher. My jam teacher. <laughs> is uh, yeah. My jam is Battle for Survival from Digital Devil Saga Two. I need that's that, that's that's killer jam. Oh boy! Uh, if only I went to the gym more. So I, I guess the other news stories we have before we uh, we shut this thing down. Um, Nintendo. It looks like the NX kind of not coming out uh, until 2017. March was being thrown around. Was that official or was that circumstance? I think that's official. They said. Okay. I think it March. is. Yeah. yeah. At least the, before the, then, Zelda's yeah. out. March. Right. The rumor. Yeah. The rumor was uh, fall of this year, but then they delayed it officially to March 2017. And I think it was almost all for library reasons that their concern was it would come out this fall and the launch lineup would be weak and it wouldn't have a strong holiday. But if by pushing it to March, they'll have a better launch lineup and then more games coming in the holiday and they're just more comfortable with that. So it's, it's disappointing. We're not going to see it at E3 this year. Did they but, uh, did they officially confirm that Zelda is NX? I saw a lot of news stories about that, but I didn't have a chance yeah. to dig. Yeah, oh. a lot of a lot of people had have been progress, uh, procrastinating, pro- prognosticating that for including this handsome bastard over here. And <laughs> yeah, people, they confirmed it. I, I'm not saying anybody on the podcast was yelling and screaming at me, but there there was like a backlash amongst like the eight four plays and the giant bomb saying that's stupid. They won't do that. I was like, uh, they did it with Twilight Princess. Why in the world wouldn't they do right, it now? Exactly. There was actually precedent for it. Yeah, like, and, and I'm not saying that it's a stupid move. What I am kind of shocked by is them saying that the only thing they're going to show at E3 is Zelda. That can't be right. That that I think that can't be right. I think that's going to be their only thing on the floor. But they'll have one of their Treehouse events either during E3 or 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 close to it to show what they're doing the rest of this year and early next year. But it, it looks like the only thing they'll have on the floor is Zelda. I, that is shocking to me. That That is... Mm, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of these... This is that you're going to see E3 become less and less important as years goes on. Because sure, every, everybody's pulling out. Going, yeah. Why would you go to E3 when there's 10,000 people releasing stuff and you throw your news into the ether versus you hold your own press conference and everybody on the internet boosts it up and they live stream it and everyone yeah. talks about it. like sure look at look at uncovered final fantasy 15 that's all anybody talked about for like a week and how much we hated greg miller that too. um yeah. <laughs> well, well that was yeah. more you that was more you than people in general it was yeah. a bit me too yeah <laughs> thank you derek yeah. i and, and i do spe- not like miller but i think he reined it in more than usual in uncovered uh, okay um and, and you know speaking of like series dedicated events i think persona is going to have one of those on may 5th it is. Yep. Steven, go to Tokyo Tower and let us know what happens. <laughs> Just right. stake it out. <laughs> if we don't hear from you, we'll, we'll know that you have been stolen. I and, have been, um, 
I've been mind jacked. There was a leak uh, a few weeks ago that um, from a retailer that they were uh, that there's gonna be something related to five, oh, not Persona Five, just the number five, um, releasing from August eight in the period between August eighteenth and September thirtieth. I thought that was so, fake. Wasn't that fake? What? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 there was a, there was like a Power Rangers joke from a, an old show called Five Man that was representing that release date. So, it, like, some people thought it was fake, but I don't think it was confirmed as real or fake. But that does make sense as a release window for Persona Five. So I figured I might as well bring it up. 2016 has gotten insane. Like, I can't play all these games, I people. Of, like, I almost don't want that to come out this year. <laughs> if it got delayed, I would I be mean, fine with it. Selfish, but like, yeah, I think. It needs to it needs to give Final Fantasy 15 like at least a month for yeah I, I don't want those two games to, to blow each other yeah, out yeah and and then I've got Dragon Quest seven and potentially eight yeah. this year like there's all kinds of stuff coming out there's too much there's there's way too much and here I am about ready to finish up Dongan Rampa two and then start overclocked great yeah. Derek what other news stories you got for us before I get all gushy over here. We got two more. There's a uh, one from one from me, one from Jesse. Uh, so there was a presentation. There was like Final Fantasy 14 has these events every so often, the Fates, uh, where they'll have a live conference with Naoki Yoshida, the producer, and fans and stuff. So there was one. I want to say day before yesterday. Yesterday, I forget in Japanese time. Uh, so there was an event. They had a live panel where they talked about what's coming in patch 3.3 for Final Fantasy 14. It's called Revenge of the Horde. And uh, aside from all the stuff that's coming in that patch, it looks cool. They announced a collaboration with Yokai Watch. So there's actually going to be uh, a number of Yokai Watch characters coming to Final Fantasy 14 as minions that you can acquire, as well as one weapon for each job that features a Yokai theme to it. Um, and there's finally a there's a mount. That's the ghost character, Whisper. Uh, and it's just like, the way that I, I describe that is like, you guys know those cheesy swan boats that you pedal that are like the romantic dates kind of thing? It's like yeah, that, pedal, like, I, I used to have to rent those out at when I used to work as, at, a, at a lake park. Yeah, like, go ahead. So yeah. it's like that, <laughs> but it's a ghost and it flies and it looks really dinky. So I hope that it plays like a, a dinky little music box tune or something when you're flying when, flying inside of it. But yeah, it's a collaboration with Yokai Watch, which I thought was a pretty cool thing. And weirdly enough, it kind of works because Final Fantasy XIV has the minions, so they can represent all of those characters as their tiny little collectible selves. So, and then uh, Jesse, you wanted to talk about Supergiant's new game? Yeah, Pyre. I think it's um, it seems to be more RPG than either Bastion or Transistor. Yeah, it's like know. it's like Oregon Trail RPGs with the combat being uh, basketball game rituals, and I am so excited <laughs> for it. I mean, it looks it, beautiful. Yeah, the combat yeah. looks like three v three basketball. It's awesome. <laughs> Oregon Trail and NBA Jam. I want it. Is the, the game of myth. is the game going to be so hipster it hurts? Probably. It's going to be on fire. Uh. Um, I, I don't think I I didn't hate Bastion. I didn't click with it, but I was like, okay, this this was fine. I actively disliked Transistor. Like, I don't I, think that's a very good game. I wanted to love. I, I did too. I, I've said this a bunch of times. I think both of those games have their heart in the right place, and I think I I think I find Bastion to be a little more honest than Transistor. Transistor is like, hey, everyone like that guy Logan. Let's have him voice more stuff. Yeah. And, 
I, as I wrote in the chat, I think those games hipster so hard my grandfather could break them. Like, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I, I don't mean this in terms of like, oh, they're hipster games. I, what, my problem with those games is that there's so much attention paid to making it look cool that there are huge gaps in the narrative, particularly in Transistor. Transistor oh, is a yeah. game that, like, yeah. everyone's like, it's so deep. And it's like, no, it's not deep. Just because it, like, don't get me wrong. I do think that there's merit to not explicitly stating everything in your narrative. And I think Transistor at first understands that because they're, like, giving you pieces. But then you get to the end and it's like, all right, well, the story is sort of about nothing. And look at how mysterious it is because we didn't tell you what happened. Yeah, that's um, how I felt. Yeah. And like, and to, but to be fair, I did find the combat fun, but like, it's just, there's this overwhelming sense of, I felt like the two guidelines for Transistor were make it look really cool and take that thing that everyone liked from Bastion and have the sword never shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Transistor was like, they were trying to build this atmospheric world, but they only did it piecemeal. Like they only built the parts that they were going to tease you with. And then everything else just felt incomplete. Yeah, like, that's a really good way to put it. Like, I think there's a a way in which you can present parts of a world and have it still be compelling. Whereas here, it felt like they only even conceived of the parts they showed you. And then they were like, write a mysterious blog entry for this computer that talks about some aspect of society and never explicate on it. And and that's okay, but nothing, there was nothing depending on that mystery. It was just sort of like, yeah, this sounds it's like the Final Fantasy 13 codex. It's just there because it's there. Uh yeah. I, I didn't like the way the game played either. Like again, I'm I'm kind of more focused on mechanics than anything else and I I don't want to say I found the win button in that game, but I found like the thing that worked for me and I never felt the need to expand anything gameplay-wise. And so I just found the game to be remarkably boring the whole way through and I didn't really progress or anything. And you could blame that on me. You could say like, oh, well, you didn't feel the need to experiment and try new things. And I was like, yeah, because it was effective. Like it, it was, it's kind of like when, when I played Final Fantasy 12, the original version, it was like, if I just give all my guys maces and give them white magic, nothing can stop me. So why am I going to do anything else? Like well, it's, the, well, it's I'm, the Diablo three mm-hmm. argument of, you know, don't, don't tone things in balance. Don't tone everything down to don't make the good thing worse to make it less fun. Make the stuff that's less effective as good as the good thing. Yeah. Make it work. That's the design philosophy that made Diablo three. Absolutely amazing. It was like, Oh, well this skill kind of sucked. Let's not nerf everything else. Let's make that skill badass. And that was like, okay, that's a design philosophy I can get behind. Mike, it sounded like you wanted to get in there and argue with me a little bit. Uh, Well, not really. I haven't played transistor. I've, I really want to, and I and I actually own it now. I got it at I think at the Steam Winter Sale in 2015. But I the part of why I loved Bastion, even um, uh, with the world building and the narrator aside, was every time I got a new weapon, I would tinker with every uh, with all of the different weapons and find my favorite combination and mess around with them a lot. And I and I loved the that part of gameplay of Bastion. So if yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, then you'll, you'll probably really like that part of Transistor as well, because that's what I liked about it: Get, getting a new skill and then trying all the different combinations. Yeah, I, I love that about um, a lot of different types of games, and uh, and and it's really satisfying getting the visible progression of of new skills and new weapons in at least in Bastion. So I'm really interested in Pyre because I love basketball, and I think all of that Super Giants games all look cool. So I uh, hopefully I'll be able to play that at E3 when we all go in June. Cool, cool. 
Jesse, are you going to E3 with us? Uh, probably not. I've got a wedding that same oh, week. So. Oh, weddings. Is it, is it your wedding? You don't, you don't have to worry about that. It's not my wedding. Yeah, see? see come, on now. come on now. Come on now. If Steven gets married, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to his wedding. He didn't come to my wedding, so I don't give a sh- You know, screw him. I was in college and didn't have any money. I invited you. I said I'd pay for you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for to come to your wedding. You yeah, money to pay. You had enough stuff to pay for. <laughs> I almost had to put a coin. In <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, we we got. Yeah, I think I think it's just you and Mike that are going to E three, Rub. Oh God, we're going this year. Uh, it's it's going to be my first E three, and I'm excited. Oh God, we're going to be mur- the first one I've missed in five years. Steven's not going to be there to keep me from punching Itagaki or David Cage, and it's going to be well, very don't punch awkward. anyone at E3, Rob. <laughs> I'm going to try, okay? But Itagaki's going to show up in his damn sunglasses, and I'm going to have to like just take him out. Well, that's because he doesn't have any eyes. He's a robot. Oh God, wouldn't that be frightening? Okay, we got. I mean, he has he has optics. We got to do he- this. Wait, we gotta do this, and it really sucks, but we gotta do it. Um, Punch Itagaki? That doesn't sound bad. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> so unfortunately, um, this is going to be Stephen's uh, last podcast with us. Um, yes, at least as a member of the the cast, crew, if, you, if you will. Very true, and I, and I don't, you know, it's definitely not a bad thing. Um, his career is starting to take off a little bit, and I don't, I don't think we really want to say quite yet what all is brewing but there there's some really exciting stuff going on in steven's life right now and i'm i'm exceptionally happy for him but i'm also incredibly selfish as a human being and it got mm, not well, putting not putting coins in the swear the drawer right sucks. now let's put it that way leaving the site sucks um i sort of knew it would have to happen eventually um because i i'm not going to talk about whom i'm doing it for for whom i am doing it but i am finally uh translating games uh i'm having a lot of success with that at the moment um i've a few different companies um i'm freelancing for now um and it's looking like there will be one or two more in the future and uh that's the whole reason I moved to Japan last year uh, to go to this language program that stole my soul and all my free time and <laughs> made me have to give up on podcasts and only appear every every couple of months. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I probably can't be writing about the games that I could theoretically be also helping make. Yeah, I, there there seems to be a conflict of interest there. Um, yes, yes. But anyway, this RPG is really cool. I hear the guy who wrote it is a real stand-up gentleman. <laughs> But but you purchase it. Shut up, shut up, you so and so. Stephen, I can't really express like how important you've been both to me when it comes to the site and also as a friend. And you know this this obviously isn't goodbye. Like it's not like our friendship is ending or any BS like that. But like the, this show is really gonna miss you. Um, I I think that you, Derek, John, Zach, when the show first started, like. Without you guys, th- this show never would have kept going. And, uh, you know, it- it's not even work when I'm talking with you guys. It- it's just fun. It's like catching up with friends and we-, we get bitchy with each other and we have fun. And, you know, it- this is one of those moments of like we're getting older and our lives are moving in different directions. And I I couldn't be happier for you. Like, but at the same time, it's really it really sucks that this is your last show and you're not going to be writing for the website anymore, but 
you know, my, my hat's off to you. I'm, I'm super proud of you. And, you know, we're just going to continue to bitch about video games. This is all part of our massive plan to find out who have the rights to Shadow Hearts. And we're going to make the next Shadow Hearts game. Like that, that's our secret plan, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's what we're working on right now. I can't wait. It's just going to be a spinoff about Joachim and he's just going to wear a Speedo and hit people with coffins. That's, that's all I want to make. <laughs> I've already that. seen that on Tumblr, man. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it. Well, that's, that's a conflict of interest, Steven. I mean, uh, I did not write that. I bet Sega has the rights, and they're going to withhold it just because they hate all of they us. They hate us. Yeah. I feel like, you know what? Here, Here's how I'm going to compare Sega. It's that episode of Arrested Development when they say Lucille gets off on being withholding. Sega is literally Lucille. They're like, here, have a new fantasy star. No, it's mine. Look at me getting off withholding. That's Sega. <laughs> That actress is this is the voice actress of uh, of 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 Archer's mother in Archer, and I think she does the exact same thing in one episode. Yeah. That's actually how they casted her too. Yeah. <laughs> also, Sega, I'm sorry if you have anything you need localized. I would forgive, you. <laughs> uh, forgive me. I, I I love you. I'm I'm just mad because Sonic Boom. Yeah, we're all mad about Sonic Boom. So uh, yeah, I hear that if I hear about you working on Skies of Arcadia too, I'm kidnapping you. No, we're all right. kidnapping him. Just let me finish before I do. Until he's done, right? Yeah, we'll let him finish. Yeah, let me, let me finish it first. I'll also echo rap sentiments as as one of your co-hosts, Stephen. It's always been a pleasure having you on the show, and it's not going to be the same without you. Thank you very much I, to both of you. Uh, I'm sad. <laughs> that's that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, I will miss talking with you guys uh, regularly because I'm sure I can appear. Um, occasionally. I don't no, know. you're never coming back. Um, until you play Bloodborne, you're never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that might be a while. I um, I've, I've played Guild Wars and Super Smash Brothers lately, so my, my, my speed at getting through things is... Uh, well, I've made it very far in those games. I, I think what this means, though, is that at the next MAGFest, we're going to have to try to do like a random encounter panel and just get really drunk and say stupid things on stage. I think we kind of have to do that now, right? Like, I, I can call some people. I think I, I think we need to have a panel at at Magfest next year because I didn't go this year and I was very upset about I it. I don't know if all three of our listeners would come, but I do. <laughs> I, that's the ultimate fear, isn't it? That we would do this and like four people would show up and one of them would be my wife. One more than I expected. Look, I've I've been to like eight Magfests, so I'll I'll make some calls and I'll at least have my five college friends come. So that okay. double the number. I thought you like actually knew somebody and could get us into Magfest as like a panel, well, I, but I, I I can do that too. Oh, okay. Just, well, then let's. I was just I was just joking about our lack of listenership. Okay, then let's do that and, next year. And but um, one other thing about Stephen departing. Um, I've only been with RPG Fan as staff for a little under two years, and Stephen's the one that hired me. Yeah, uh, he was the my interview and the person that gave the okay for me to join staff, and for that I'm incredibly grateful and very sad to see Stephen Senpai leaving. Even though I think I'm a year older than Stephen, he's definitely Stephen Senpai. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to Stephen. I, I have to, even though I've only been podcasting and writing with you for a little over a year. Uh, thank you for everything, man. Of course, thank you for having interest in joining the site to begin with um like i said to everyone leaving sucks <laughs> yeah we'll miss everyone i mean obviously i'm not going to not talk to anyone that's not the case but you know it's getting on the show and making fun of sega and then begging them to not to not blacklist me uh with you guys will be sorely missed <laughs> we'll see how effective that strategy turns out in the future 
Well, to be fair, I don't think they're listening to their fans anywhere else. So, you can't help yourself. This isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna work. <laughs> or maybe you're putting yourself on their radar right now. See, that's what I am. I, like that, it's like the guy who hacks Facebook and then gets hired by Facebook. I I know what you're doing wrong, and it's not letting me have fantasy star anything. <laughs> well, um. You know, I, I think our listeners know all the the details right now, which is you know make sure to send us emails, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, yeah, I actually I have access because uh, I, I finally got access to the RPG Fan email account because I told uh, you the password. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So if you guys uh, have any questions for us, want to have us talk about anything on the air that's like you know context appropriate. Uh, send us an email, podcast uh, at rpgfan.com. How many gold watch emails were and, in that? Uh... There were like three. <laughs> I, like, I think, I I think they actually the start combining them after a while. It was like 9,000 emails in that box, Rob. But like all after spam. While, you start getting like emails that are like, would you like a golden watch penis? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, like, that's yeah, how bad the spam in that box is. I think they just put them into a word blender. Uh, I would take a golden penis watch. That, that sounds like... <laughs> That sounds this pretty like cool. Shin Megami Tensei persona. I was just yeah. gonna say, <laughs> yeah. what kind of Google searches led to you being on the list, man? I don't. I I I I I plead the fifth. Um, my attorney will speak. My attorney Jesse Wu will uh, speak for me right now. Um, uh... Sound of footsteps. <laughs> uh, two other things. One is that I will be on the last. Uh, we're gonna do a a bye bye episode of Rhythm of Rhythm Encounter, um, and I think we're gonna try to get. Lots of guests. We we uh, we also wanted to check with Derek um, if he has time. Uh, it's not a regular episode. I'm just going to play a bunch of music and we're going to talk. Um, but wait, Derek, we've been spending the original creators of the show. I'm I would love to have you on, um, and obviously all any other guests that we've had. Um, and second is that um, so one of the most difficult things I found getting into localization was finding somebody who could answer questions not about the games you work on because that's all NDA and you won't get anything out of me about that anyway. Um, but in terms of how to get into that field, like I think I might have taken a longer path than some because I'm terrible. Um, but I think what one of the things I promised myself I would do, and I don't know if any of our listeners have interest in this, um, but if anyone ever wants to ask questions about how to get into games localization or like suggestions for good ideas to do, obviously my way is not really a way, nor is it the only one of them, but I'm happy to take questions like that and i again i will not talk about my work but um i am i i want to help other people get into that field um i know of some really great facebook groups that i was able to network with while i was here in japan and i know there are people in the u.s who work on that too um i'm not some big important guy but i'm having a small measure of starting success and i would like to help others who have a passion for that kind of translation and language sort of thing uh make that happen um so i'm happy to answer questions via twitter i have my actual website now it's sjmtaylist.org or com i forgot it's one of those just just go on my twitter it's listed there um there's nothing there yet except for a vlog where i talk about music which should sound familiar um and uh yeah so i'm i would love to help people if I, in any way i can uh because i am very grateful that i am able to do this now uh, and I would like for others to be able to enjoy that. Uh, but if you come to me and tell me the Nintendo Treehouse sucks because they censor stuff, I'm going to ban you. I'm just going to block you. I don't want to have that conversation with you. I, that's dead honest. Do not want to <laughs> talk about that. You d- if, No, just shut up. You haven't already gotten that, have you? 
No, no. Okay. Uh, I was I, I think <laughs> my, my, if I, if I might pontificate further for a second, I think there are a lot of people who don't know anything about language and don't know anything about localization that think they know better than professionals. And not that there are not people who don't know better than professionals, particularly some companies that make bad choices. But uh, I th- there is a lot more that goes into these decisions than just you're censoring my ability to look at anime boobs. I, I don't know, Stephen. They- they're taking away my ability to look at anime boobs. I'm- I feel very strongly about that. Taking away the ability to look at anime I'm boobs. Pressing me. Anime press. <laughs> Stephen, every line of dialogue you change the meaning of is a violation of my First Amendment rights. True. I should be saying, I, Kefka, as Kefka, do do this. In the end, it is my solution to do this. I guess it can't be helped. Uh, it can't be helped. I'm actually not I guess... a... Stephen's far more versed in this than I am, for sure, because A, he, you know, you have a master's and you're doing this as work. But I am writing my uh, senior capstone for my bachelor's on game localization, and it is taking shape and will be done in the next couple of days. So I would love to. This is another thing I love to talk. Sure, I mean it's probably going to be BS. Well, not BS, but you know, compared to what you know, it's probably going to seem. It'll get you. It's going to get you a BS. All your BS, right? Yeah. Ah. Ah, It is. BA, but yeah. Ah. Yeah, game work. It's almost perfect. Hit us up. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. And uh, Stephen, I love you, you son of a bitch. I, I really do. And, and all the rest of you. I know, I know. So uh, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, Stephen Senpai. You almost got me emotional, you f-